2: it's martial arts hour back in your life on this monday september 19 2016 hogan everyone i'm Ariel hawani back inside our new york city studio it is kind of cold and rainy outside so i'm very happy to be inside talking to you for the next three and a half four hours about the great sport that is mixed martial arts another busy week in the books very exciting stuff to talk about. UFC and Bellator had events this past weekend. Bellator, eh, kind of a subpar one. But they did make some major headlines. The biggest news of the week by far came late Thursday. And that was that Chael Sonnen, yes, the Chael Sonnen, the bad guy, the American gangster himself, has signed with Bellator. Kind of came out of nowhere. Got some rumblings early Thursday that something was in the works. And then late Thursday night, the Associated Press reported that Chael Sonnen had parted ways with Bellator, excuse me, Chael Sonnen had parted ways with the UFC and had signed with Bellator. Who saw this coming? Of course, for the longest time, I had said that I believed he was on the comeback trail, that I believed he was not 100% retired, that I believed he would fight again. Never in a million years did I think that fight would be for Bellator. This was a UFC lifer. This was the guy that some people thought Would replace Dana White at some point So anyway, that was massive Um, UFC had a show in Hidalgo, Texas Some interesting stuff Chaz Kelly with a very impressive 19 second I believe it was Submission Fastest in featherweight division history Was it 19 seconds? Something like that 19, 18 seconds Um, Michael Johnson with a fantastic victory Over Dustin Poirier And Derek Brunson with a very impressive victory as well over Uriah Hall, there was a lot that happened over the past week, and there's a lot to come this week as well. Uh, it's kind of a an exciting week for women's MMA with Invicta holding a very solid show on Friday. Uh, the UFC back on Saturday in Brasilia with a show headlined by Chris Cyborg. Uh, Ryzen is back. There's some interesting names, including Miracle Crocop That has nothing to do with women's MMA, of course. But uh, the fun never stops in mixed martial arts. And we have a super stacked show for you today, uh, this afternoon on the MMA Hour. So let's get into the lineup and let's get to our first guest, because there's no better way to start this show than with our first guest. Uh, let me run it down very quickly here. Derek Brunson, the victorious Derek Brunson, will join us at 410. Uh, at around 310, we'll be joined by Michael Johnson to talk about his big win over Dustin Poirier. Cult favorite, Patty the Batty Pimlet is going to join us at 245. Uh, I have not been hit up by so many fans to get a non-UFC fighter on the show. The the last time I was hit up this much was, I hate to say it, but was Conor McGregor after he became a a two-divisional champion. And there are comparisons here. Uh, Patty just became the Cage Warriors featherweight champion. And at 2.45, we'll talk to him. I am looking forward to that. He is quite the character. The Scouser himself. Uh, 2.25, Ally Quinto will join us. A lot going on in his life. Sage Northcutt at 2.05. Always a pleasure to talk to Super Sage. 145 Ed Sores will stop by with some major news uh, that will change, not the face of MMA, but big news in the MMA world. Chris Cyborg stops by at uh, 1.30 from Brasilia. But first... Let me get to the uh, Skype machine here, and I said at the top of the show, there's no better way to start this week's show. There was only one way that we could properly start this week's show, and it's with that man, Chael Sonnen. There he is, the newest member of the Bellator roster, fighting at gangster weight. Don't call him a light heavyweight, a middleweight, a heavyweight, a welterweight. There he is, Chael Sonnen. Wow, how about this? Chael, congratulations to you. What a big deal this is. Thank you for joining us.
0: Couldn't have happened to a better guy. <laughs>
2: um, okay, so this is this is a shoot right here, right? We're, we're not working where we're shooting on today's show, correct? All right. Let's start from Let's the beginning. It. Let's start from the beginning. What point did you decide that you were coming back? Was it when you announced your retirement two years ago? Was it six months ago? Was it two months ago? When did you decide that you are going to fight again?
0: It was a meaningful period of time. I'm I, I'm not certain. I'm not certain where the day was, but physically, I've been uh, I've been getting ready for a while.
2: Was there something that happened mentally? Was there a shift? Did you start to miss it? Was there a fight that you watched where you said, "Okay, it's time for me to come back"?
0: No, I didn't have any moment like that. It was, uh, you know, I went through suspension and I thought, and I was a little busy and I was doing some stuff. I thought, well, maybe this is just all coming at the right time. And uh, I never wanted. To want to be done, I, I always wanted to want to to keep doing it, but I, I you know I had I had a moment where I didn't, I just didn't I didn't want to put in the work, I didn't want to do the work, I didn't want to do what it took uh, to go out and compete in the sport. And, and that period, it didn't last very long, you know. It was, it, it's distant memory now. It was a long time ago, but uh, I remember that coming. I remember trying to deal with that, but. Uh, yeah, I've had my eye on this for a while.
2: Now, we've talked even before this news came out, we've talked uh, privately a little bit. Um, and I've extended my, 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 my condolences to your family over the, the loss of your daughter. And obviously, I know that's very private, but I, I just want to ask how you and your wife are, are dealing you know, with this uh, incredible pain and if that had anything to do with your return to MMA.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I, I never mind talking about her. She was very beautiful, and I only got to know her for a few days. But she she really was very beautiful, Ariel. And uh, and thank you for being there for me uh, and my wife during that. But yeah, how are we dealing with it? Oh man! I mean, it's a life changing thing. I don't I don't th- I can't imagine we would ever uh, get past it. You know, I think it probably just changes you for the future. My wife is doing really well. She was battling listeria. Uh, which is a pretty rare disease, uh, particularly here in America, and she beat Listeria, so physically uh physically she 's doing a hundred percent and she 's as beautiful as ever You should see that woman
2: um and and was it t- i mean I-, I saw the videos of you and your son, which were very you know heartwarming to see you back in the gym and whatnot, but did that change like did you think about not coming back? did that make you want to come back even more? How did what happened to you and your wife affect your professional career
0: uh yeah it was definitely the final nail in the coffin i mean i I was leaning towards coming back i was in the gym i was working hard i was you know visualizing it and 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 thinking about that but uh uh, but yeah when that all happened that that was it i was coming back and and i don't know why i don't know why the two tie in together but they did
2: okay um when you were on our show not that long ago you said that you know you you're not making any, you know, you're, 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 you're not holding back on us. You want to come back, but you need to go through some some steps. You need to get back into the testing pool. You need to get tested. So it sounded back then that you were trying to get back into the UFC. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yep.
2: And you did several tests. How many tests did you, did you take?
0: Uh, I did at least four. Uh, I think that is the number four, but I did at least four. And, uh, yeah, you know, that was the first process. So you're talking about the UFC. So let me set it up for the viewers. So the UFC ha- deals with USADA, and they have what's known as a pool, a testing pool. And you have to be part of that pool for four months. Uh, now, Bellator, who I'm with, they're not with USADA. They, they go under state guidelines. So the state of California, by example, which is Bellator's home, they often use USADA, but as far as being in a pool and the policies changing, um, they're not subject to the same the same protocol.
2: You were telling me after doing some of those tests that you were like, okay, I want to know the results. I want to know if I can continue. I don't know what's in my system from you know a previous lifetime. Did you get the results from all those tests?
0: Well, no news is good news. Yeah. with who saw, I, I don't believe that. I don't think they get a hold of you and go, hey, every, every, you know. I, I think you're just supposed to assume you pass, and then you find out that you didn't. So, did I? Did I get results? Uh, no. Did Did I pass everything? Yes.
2: At what point did you realize that you were free to negotiate with other organizations? Uh,
0: well, I can't remember the timeline, but I did not know that was an option. I thought I was under. Uh, UFC contract. And there's been times in my UFC career where, where that contract lapses or you just fulfill it. And I've never thought about ever not, you know, going somewhere else or uh, looking around for a different place to compete. It never even crossed my mind. I was always with the UFC and and was always going to be with the UFC. So uh, I, I don't know at what point I, I realized that 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 paperwork had, had passed some dates. That uh, that was handled by Mike and Jeff, my managers. But uh, uh, it, it was recent. It was just recently.
2: So you come to the realization that you are technically a free agent. Do you go back to the UFC and say, hey, let's, let's do a deal here. I want to be in the UFC? Uh,
0: you know, I, I had my talks all over the place. When, when I finally talked with, with Coker, Coker only asked one thing. And he just said, don't shop me. If, if you want to do a deal, I'll put my 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 best and final offer forward first. Um, but but I don't want to get shopped if that's what this is about. So uh, that was literally the one and only thing he asked for. So so we said okay, we won't shop you.
2: You know, considering the success that you had in the UFC, did you feel any loyalty or obligation to Dana White? I know Lorenzo's not there anymore, and the the organization is very much changing. But did you feel like okay, let me try to figure out. A deal with these guys first before I go to the Cokers of the world.
0: Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I mean, from a loyalty standpoint, sure, absolutely, but uh, a lot, a lot of that what you're asking me would be like a you know behind the scenes and the paperwork and the negotiations. I, I stay out of that stuff. Okay, you know, my managers call me. I used to deal with a lot of that myself, and uh, and I used to think that that was the best way to do it, but over time. Man, I, I had to delegate that.
2: I guess the the point that I'm getting at is you're still a very, very, very big name in this sport. I'm surprised they didn't try to keep you.
0: Are you surprised they didn't try? I to- knew that was your point. Yeah. I knew that was your point the whole time. <laughs> I just was I was going to let you dance around it until you finally asked the question. Listen, here's how I would answer this question. I was not under contract with the UFC when I signed with Bellator. Sure, but that's I- it. I am a Bellator fighter now.
2: The wording of that statement is very interesting. You you realize it was that right?
0: very prepared, very <laughs> prepared. I felt like that was this was going to come up, but I'm comfortable with my answer. Sure. And we
2: should move on. Okay, fair enough. Um, when you signed the contract that you are a Bellator MMA fighter, what was what was that feeling like? You've been a part of the UFC for so long. Did it take? I mean, I'm sure you're happy. You're getting paid handsomely, but what was it like? You know, before it came out. Wow, I'm I'm now on the other side of the tracks, as you put it. I, I'm now with WCW, as you you know sort of put it. What, what's what's that like? What was that feeling like?
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit different, you know. And and uh, yeah, it was a big contract and all that, but it wasn't a cash grab. You know, people say, you know, money can make you happy or whatever. I got ten million bucks, Ariel, and I'm just as happy now as when I had nine. So I, I don't really know where that expression came from, but uh, you know that yeah, it is structured a little bit different. They're different business models. You know, one is in, in the pay-per-view business model. One is in TV, uh, ratings and advertisers. So they aren't the same contracts. You know, they are, they are two different things. And, uh, is, I just want a chance to compete, man. I want to go out there and compete. And, uh, and that was really it. I didn't get, I didn't get a lot further into that than, than I don't have an opponent yet. You know, by example, like, uh, I was out doing media. Uh, the day that all this broke, I was doing some media and I was about 20 minutes into it. I was talking to Michael Stets, and I, w- I was just stumbling over myself and I couldn't figure out what was off. And, and I finally realized, why well, don't have anything to promote? I kind of did this a little out of order. I've, I've got a deal with the company, but I don't have a fight. I don't have a date. I don't know the opponent. I don't know a weight class. There's no tickets on sale. I don't have anything to tell the fans. Hey, make sure you tune in. Mark this day down. I don't have any of that. So in that regard, I, I'm, I've am kind of done things. I haven't quite connected the dots. And it went a little bit of a, out of order. So I'm trying to speed that up. It appears it's going to be Tito Ortiz in November. But a lot of that's just just me talking right there. I, I don't have any, any word yet.
2: Okay, if it is Tito Ortiz November 19th in San Jose, do you like that? As your first
0: fight? Does that make sense? And that's what I think it's going to be. So okay. Thanks for saying that. I think it's going to be November 19th and Tito and San Jose and all that bit. But, uh, yeah, I like that as a first fight. I, I like it a lot. You know, there, there's there's a, only a handful of guys I think that I'm likely to end up matched up with right out of the gate. You know, then things will change. But right out of the gate, I think that uh, the likely suspects are Rampage, are Tito. Uh, I heard Rory's name get thrown out there, but... I don't know if I. I don't know how likely that. I don't even know if that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I hear that Fedor is coming, and I had some questions. You know, would you go up to heavyweight and fight Fedor? And uh, I think they're going to get Vandalay too if they don't already have him. I I know Vandalay's got some deal worked out. Perhaps it's with Ryzen and not Bellator specifically, but then Bellator and Ryzen have something worked out. I say that as a fan because I, I watch King Mo, who's with Bellator, go over and and do some stuff in Japan with Ryzen. So they must have some kind of a relationship. And I think those are the likely suspects, you know, probably first, second, and third. I think that's probably the the guys I'll be drawn from for right now.
2: Have you heard anything about a four-man Legends tournament?
0: Yes. Uh, In Bellator?
2: Yeah, you, Fedor, Rampage, Vanderlei, Tito. Now that's five people. Who's, who's uh, I have
0: the, not heard anything specifically about that. I thought I thought you were asking me just is Bellator going to keep doing tournaments? To my understanding, they are. But no, I have well, Are you breaking something to me? I'm right just now? asking you. I, I'm just I'm just asking. Hey, we're, we're shooting here. Oh, you're saying sure, like that'd be that'd be a good idea. <laughs> I think that that could be a good idea. I like tournaments myself, but if I like them in one night, I'm, I'm speaking as a fan. I like when tournaments are done in one night. If you call it a tournament, and you spread it out. I, I don't know if that's a tournament or if that's just the company moving forward with projected fights that could take place. Um, When tournaments go down in there in one night and a guy's got to take on two men or in the old day, three men in one night, eight man tournament. I thought that was a lot of fun. I personally enjoyed watching that, but I see what you're doing now. You're getting, and I like where your head's at. I just thought you were breaking. some. I thought you were telling me something that I I had missed.
2: Um, This is by far the biggest contract of your career, right?
0: uh it, it'd be hard to say man i mean i had the record with anderson Silva; right. that was a one-off night we, we had the the but
2: as far as like a multi-fight contract
0: the all-time record um it's a big contract yeah what, what kind
2: of dealings did you have with coker before all of this have you ever crossed paths with him
0: i i had him on my podcast and I had met him, Matt Lindland fought in a strike force fight, and I had met Coker in a hallway in passing really fast. And I feel like I've known him for years, um, you know, because our world is so small, but I, I had never actually visited with him. And uh, I had him lined up for a podcast, uh, had him on the podcast, and, and that was really the only time I'd ever spoke to him.
2: I know you don't have a an official date yet, but it's looking likely just being back in the news as a fighter, having a contract, do you feel different? like do you feel like now you have this mission now you now you have a target? Does that change something in your head when you have all that in place? Well,
0: yeah definitely, definitely you know that's the one part that's been missing like even when I'm going through preparation or training for this or going to the gym and working out or helping somebody else or whatever it is, It's hard to turn that corner. It's hard, you know, when you start getting tired or you start getting banged up to push through that if you don't have a finish line out there. And that's one thing I couldn't duplicate. I was going to practice. I was doing the runs. I was doing the lifts. I was doing everything you're supposed to do, but the intensity's different. And you, I didn't have the discipline or the mental toughness or, or the ability, however you want to call it, to to manufacture. Uh, a deadline. That's largely why I jumped into grappling Ariel, just so that there was a specific date, a specific opponent, somebody to really uh, hone in and peek for and make sure that I did have some of those peaks instead of just staying steady. Uh, because I did have eyes on this and a fantasy about, uh, you know, one day coming back to MMA, being done with the suspension, be, you know, going through all the processes. So, uh, yeah, it did change things. It did. I had a I had a sparring day on Saturday, uh, two days ago, and I could feel it. I could feel the difference that, you know, there's a point now.
2: Um, you raised a lot of eyebrows on Friday on your conference call when you said that per your contract, you will be fined $500,000 and lose your entire purse if you fail a drug test. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, 100% of the purse and half a million dollars. And that's just to Bellator. Bellator. Wow. That's not... Before you deal with commission issues, and that could be standard. Arrow, I didn't know that was going to catch on or whatever, but that could be boilerplate. I have no idea. I just know it's in mine. And you know, when when you when you're coming out of the principal's office like I am, I did wonder when I saw that. Okay, did they only give that to me, or is this? And I don't know the answer to that. But
3: I don't that think isn't that's
0: my
2: I don't think that's standard. Um, and I'm wondering if you fight in California, are you okay with? The random out of competition drug testing because you know Andy Foster who you praised on the conference call is one of the very best in the business when it comes to that
0: yeah and see I appreciate you saying that because Andy deserves that and the, the other side of that is uh people got asked, Bellator gets asked why do you guys not use USADA and there's some people that are just married to those letters man they don't even know what they're saying they just somewhere somebody told them USADA was great uh, and so they, they love to run with that, but historically they actually have their facts wrong. Bellator uh, started and is based out of California, and Andy Foster was the first commissioner to start using that organization to test his athletes. He just paid for it himself or had the state fund pay for it. And So it was actually Bellator guys were the first ones tested through USADA. Even though it's not in policy, historically, that is the timeline. Bellator uh, Bellator was tested first.
2: Do you think Bellator, part of the reason why they signed you is to be a promoter, not just for your own fights, but for their organization? I I noticed on the conference call, you did a fantastic job of promoting the card that night. Do you think that they're going to ask you to be a sort of quasi promoter?
0: I don't think I'll have anything to do outside of my contract. Now, I like to uh, participate and, and contribute, man. I'm, ju- I'm just a big fan of, uh, of MMA. I love boxing, amateur wrestling. I, you know, I've, I've got the things that I like to watch. So I'm happy to participate and contribute in those ways. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no secret they brought me over for ratings. It, it's it's the bottom line. They've, they brought me over for ratings, and they've got some guys that move the needle. But it's, it's, it's the plight that any promoter has. You can't have enough – Guys like that. You just can't. Uh, You know, even the UFC, they've got a bunch of stars, man. They have some awesome fights, but putting on 53 events a year, and that can be tough. Uh, So there's opportunities out there, and and you never know. Week in, week out, month to month, year to year, you never know how many guys am I going to have. Uh, you know that can really fill up a building, but that—that's that's the business. That's the promoter's got to figure that out.
2: You were such a great promoter and fighter for Dana White, especially towards the end of your UFC run. What was that last conversation like with him when you said, "Okay, thanks for the time. I'm I'm going elsewhere."
0: Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting conversation. You know, I mean, Dana's a shark, and, and I mean it's a compliment. Some guys have it; it's tough. Dana's a shark and uh, and he's tough man I don't know how else to put it
2: so was it contentious?
0: I just tell you he's a shark I'm, again I'm comfortable with those words Okay. I mean Dana's okay. tough and uh, that's it
2: how would you describe the departure? was it amicable? do you feel like there's some some heat now some tension? how would you describe it?
0: I don't know here's what I would tell you Ariel, here's what I would tell you. Okay. I am on a legend's ass whipping tour <laughs> and I'm starting with Tito Ortiz. Alright, I'm starting with Tito Ortiz on November 19th. All I need is a contract. This could not be any more official of a call out. I don't have the linguistic ability to challenge somebody more articulately or clear. <laughs> and if Tito does not want to accept, I'll never bully him again, man. I'm not here to pick on him. I will take a no as a default and I'll move on. But for right now, my message message to you and the whole community that watches your show is November 19th, the bad boy and the bad guy.
2: Are you worried about his injuries that he might not make it to that day that you you will get emotionally invested that you will prepare and then something will happen along the way?
0: Not if he says he'll be there. Okay. I, 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 one thing about Tito, if he accepts the challenge, I can't remember the time him pulling him out. I know he shows up, he backs up a Brinks truck full of excuses. He comes with him every time. He drops him every time. I get all of those things, but I, I can't remember a time where he gave his word and pulled out.
2: What's the impetus to this uh, feud? Like, Did you guys have a run-in back in the day? I mean, you've been in the sport for so long, both of you. When did it first start?
0: Ariel. Ariel. You (laughs) You know good you know good and well your audience doesn't know the meaning of the word emphasis, okay? (laughs) You know good and well everybody's running to goo. I could say anything right now when these <laughs> dummies watch and would have no idea. I could give you the recipe to chocolate chip cookies and everybody would be like, well, I guess that's what impetus means. <laughs> None of your viewers could even spell that word. So, I mean, you want to have this private between you and I could say any. I could hold up a bottle of rust remover and everybody would just <laughs> think that this was like fitting to what we were saying right now. Everybody's lost. Okay. What? what was the? What's the impetus of Tito Ortiz? Look, <laughs> He's a big deal. He's a world champion. A lot of it comes from jealousy. You really want to know. You want to know what got me pissed off and started in this sport in the first place was sitting at home and not having an opportunity. I was in a gym every day, team Quest. I was in a gym. We had no less than two world champions in the room on a daily basis. This didn't count. Number one contenders, champions over in, in Pride where things were fixed. Uh, it, 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 didn't, it The guys that were coming in and training with us, we had at least – two world champions on our team every day I knew exactly where I stood in the world I knew everybody's name that could whip my ass all of them because I had them on a daily basis I'm fighting down at the dog park I can't get a manager to make a phone call for me I couldn't get a promoter to know who I was it was a tough spot and it's part of the sport guys go through it all the time I just remember when I went through it and I went through this and there was Tito all the posters Headline and all the cards biggest draw own t-shirt and branding company. I mean, this guy was a huge deal. And I remember being jealous. And I remember thinking, look, Tito's a tough guy. I got no problem with that. But I'm sitting there going, I'm a tougher guy. I do have a problem with that. How do I get my opportunity? How do I break into this? This guy never would be world champion if I was in the business right then. But I couldn't even get a contract to get into the company to get on the 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 prelims to eventually work my way to tito i could have stepped right into a main event and whipped his ass back then but i couldn't get the opportunity that's where tito comes from
2: okay and now you get your opportunity or you'll probably get your opportunity right that's right yeah um do you have (laughs) do you feel i know you it's a crazy question to ask a fighter but because of the way you're career stopped two years ago do you feel an extra amount of pressure to not only prove to everyone that you still got it to not only prove to anyone to everyone that you can fight in this new era of drug testing but also to prove to bellator that they made the right call by investing in you like does this one feel a little different than you know 148 or fighting joe you know, you know you know what i mean like there's it's different now right
0: yeah, the third, the third part, I I, I don't I haven't thought about the first two on your list, but yeah, the third part, man, look, I got a job to do, and, and that's the bottom line, and I'm a company guy, you know, I, I don't come in and, and try to take all the money and leave town, I want everybody, I'm a capitalist, but I have a very socialistic approach to fighting, because there's guys on the undercard that, that aren't going to bring in any money, the guys on top of the bill have got to have a trickle-down effect and look out for everybody else, and, uh, you know, I not only see that as my duty, but it used to happen to me. I I was the guy on those cards that wasn't bringing in any tickets, but I needed something too. I had trainers and managers and uh, my own goals, and just to you know to, to get by, there had to be something. And a lot of times, you know, it came from the top, but there was a trickle down effect. I see some of these scumbags come in now. They try to grab all the money and run away and go well. All, all the attention's on me. And say, hey nah, you're not totally wrong on that. You you are the one bringing in the dollars, but." You still got a, it's still a family here, right? You still got a group. You still got what? It doesn't matter if it's your opponent, your enemy, or or some guy just trying to live his dream, man. The, the show doesn't go on with just two guys. So, uh, yeah, man, I I got a job to do, and, and and I'll do it, and I will deliver.
2: A couple more questions for you. What would you compare this signing to? Is this is this Hall going to WW? Is this Nat, is this Hogan? Like the, the, it feels very much like you know late '90s here. What would you compare you moving over to Bellator?
0: Oh, uh, I suppose there's a little bit of feel of that, of uh of the Monday Night War. Yes. But I didn't really think of it I didn't really think of it in, in those terms, man. I, I wanted an opportunity to compete and, and that was really it. And then, you know, the backstory and everything I'm holding out from you and you know yeah. full well that I am if you <laughs> haven't been able to pry me. I'll tell you over time. Okay. I'm just not ready to tell you today. Why? Why, But I'll tell you over time. We'll do this time and time and again and I will get you the Impetus.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, your, your friend CM Punk, um, of course, unsuccessful in his UFC debut. A, what did you think of it? And B, if it doesn't work out for him in the UFC, would you like to see Bellator sign him?
0: Well, I thought that Punk proved he was a fighter. I thought that he tried very hard. He got put in a terrible position. Uh, physically he didn't know how to get out of there he didn't know where to push the knee which way to roll how, how to deal with the fence that that's a reality of a, of a guy that you know tried to climb Mount Everest and uh, with almost uh, no time to prepare um, but he tried hard you know he was stuck right off the bat he tried to get up that, what Mickey Gall was doing to him was that's as bad as uh, bad as ground and pound gets you know he was dry he had both legs in he's teeing off coming underneath coming over the top it's as bad as it gets, and Punk was pushing through it, trying to get back up to his feet. Gall's looking for chokes, and Punk's defending and trying to get back up to his feet. So I thought he effort-wise, man, he, he gets an A for effort. Skill-wise, uh, you, there was a big difference between the two. That's uh, that's accurate. I can live with that. But I, I think that Punk uh, had some moments out there, particularly when it's your heart, it's your heart that gets tested. That's really what we want to know as fighters. Who's tougher than the other guy? You can always talk about who's better, and whose skills, and the reach, and the... Oh, who's tougher than who? And I thought that Punk went out there, and he, I thought he was very tough.
2: Would you like to see him keep fighting?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he wants to do. I've, I've talked to him almost every day since it, and uh, you know his attitude appears to be good. He's already back in the gym. He, he had his fight on a Friday. He was at practice on Monday. I don't know what he did. Did he watch? Did he jump in there? I couldn't tell you those those details, but he's there. He's being a good teammate. This looks like this is the life that he wants to do. And will it go back to the UFC or will it even go to a ring again? I don't know. Maybe maybe it just turns into a hobby and this is what he wants to do. I really don't know. But uh, he'll let us know and he's got the skill set that if if he wants people to be interested in him again, he'll come on your show and he'll build the interest. We we both know he's got that skill set.
2: Well, chill. We will leave it at that. Thank you very much. You didn't give us the entire impetus, but uh, I think we got enough. A little taste.
0: Well, we're going to have to. you you got a nine-hour show here with 75 <laughs> guests that all suck. I mean, you started off with the, nothing against those guys. What is Ed Soros going to come on and tell oh, us that's going to change MMA?
2: He's got big news.
0: What could he possibly have to drop on us that that, that change MMA?
2: Stay tuned. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, everybody, stay tuned. <laughs> the ultimate is listen, the ratings are going to drop, air. They're going to drop with one final word, and you know what it is. Kaboom.
2: Chael and everyone, thank you very much. The newest member of the Bellator MMA roster. Uh, in, in vintage form, we look forward to his debut in November. Okay, uh, let us move along. We'll talk about Chael a little later on in the program as well. But for now, let us move along to our next guest. Uh, she is main eventing. The next UFC show this Saturday in Brasilia, Brazil. She is arguably the very best female fighter in the world. But before we get to that, let me quickly tell you about my good friends over at Thursday... Boot Company. As you know, winter is coming and you are going to need a good pair of boots. In fact, I could have used a good pair of boots today because on my way to the studio, it was raining. I was walking in all kinds of puddles. My socks got soaking wet. We had to go buy a new pair of socks. I can guarantee you if I was wearing Thursday boots, which are handcrafted to be comfortable, versatile and durable, I would have been in tip-top shape. No extra socks needed. Thursday boots are built for guys who understand quality like myself and want a good-looking pair of boots that will last a few seasons. I got a pair. Can't wait to wear them. With the sophistication of a fashion boot and durability of a work boot that you can kick some serious ass in, you need a pair of Thursday boots with winter coming up. The clean design and no external branding or logos make the boots versatile enough to wear with jeans and a t-shirt or in a full suit, and you know I can appreciate that. It's one of those rare products that your wife, girlfriend, boss, friends, and grandpa, maybe even your grandma as well, will all respect. Thursday Boot Company are really committed to honest pricing. With prices starting at $149, including free shipping and returns, Thursday Boots are the best buy this season. And with their clean, timeless design and durability, Thursday Boots will keep you standing confident for years to come. Now, to see a selection of my absolute favorites, head on over right now to thursdayboots.com slash MMA. Now, back to the show. She is Chris Cyborg joining us on the phone. Chris, how are you?
4: I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for the great opportunity to be here again.
2: Yes. A pleasure, as always, to talk to you. Uh, so, you're in Brasilia right now, right?
4: Yes. I just flew, uh, I think, almost five days here.
2: Uh, what was your reaction initially when you were told that, okay, the UFC wants you back, of course you're under contract, but they want you to main event the show in Brazil. What was your reaction?
4: You know, the first thing when I know about my fight, I check the calendar and to see how many weeks I had. Because it's at 140 again. Yeah. And the last fight I did, uh, I had uh, 12 weeks for me 140. And this fight, it's eight weeks. And I really traded double for for this fight. But I really appreciate the opportunity to fight in Brazil again, you know, and be main event I think uh, all the time I say, ah, when if I... And I say, who next after Leslie? You know, I say, have to wait this fight, and you open a lot of doors for me. And I I feel very blessed, and a great opportunity to fight in Brazil, main event
2: So, were you concerned at all? Did you think about maybe not taking the fight because it wasn't 12 weeks, it wasn't enough time to get down to 140?
4: You know, my my plan is a uh, five one forty like super fight, you know. Yeah. And it keeping my, my my weight one forty five and defend my belt. Um, I, I really this make one forty this time is not really my plan, you know, the plan is supposed to make one forty five. And but no, it's a good opportunity to be in Brazil. I know I appreciate this opportunity five F C again and but you know, I as we learn about in this camp, uh, my my nutrition coach is start giving to me uh, birth control and I never take this in my life and I just take this like three months every day and I feel I feel my body a little weird but he says it would be good for me and I believe in him. And yeah, I fly from America from Brazil like one sixty eight pounds. And my body will hold more water than normal, and you know I, I don't think this helped my body, and I was really stressed about this. But you know I did everything perfect. In my training, I train every day. I train you no know, double the training before, and you know I'm i mean i mean I'm ready for do great show Saturday.
2: Wait, so so you said your nutritionist George Lockhart gave you birth control pills
4: yeah he told me start because he said would helped me lose weight, really, Wow, I really? never heard that before. Uh, yeah, I know, and <laughs> let's see, let's see this is helping I don't know, but um, I believe in him and you know, I worked with him like two years and a half, yeah, and I start to work with him and in the beginning, you know i really i really I really don't know, and we like to be close friends, you know I believe in him and Let's see, but you know, after this fight, I really don't want any more birth control because I don't think this will help my body. And I talked to my doctor too. He said this is no good. And but let's see, you know, uh, you have to follow somebody, and you know, he's in, he's in line with me, and we make less time on forty.
2: And let's see. Uh, how much did you weigh when you got the call about the main event, about the fight? How much did you weigh?
4: Uh maybe on seventy-five.
2: 175, wow, and, and you
4: 175, said... 175, you know, this camp, I don't touch 150. One f- I don't touch 150, this camp. Wow, and, and right now, wow, how much do you know, weigh? It is, it's really scary. I, I, I was looking in the mirror, I said, man, I don't know I ran double, and I don't know why I don't touch the 50s. And it just did something I did different to this camp, it's to take birth control, because, you know, after the, camp, the last fight, I don't know why I take this, because we make 140, a successful last fight. It's really hard, but we did. And but you know, George, had have a plan, and he said, "Okay, you, you 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 take this birth control, you know." And and now I'm on sixty-eight,
2: one 168, and I wake up like one sixty-five today. One sixty-five. Yes. So you have to lose twenty-five pounds in four days. Yes. That doesn't seem right. I mean, how are you going to do that? That seems that seems very unhealthy. I know. I know. Are, but are you worried? You know, I, I
4: always, you know, I know I have to do nine percent and ten. God do ten percent. I train really hard, and I run. I, I run every day. I train every day, and you know, Ray lives with me and he see everything I eat, and I eat everything George give to me. You know, I know less and eat more. You know, because I, I you know, I, I, I worry about because this is my, my, my main event, and you know, I, I do my one hundred percent for doing my best. You know, and. And you not know, just my, my head in the line, George, it's a George work.
2: You know, I have to be honest with you, Chris. Um, you know, we've talked about this and I saw the footage of this documentary that's coming out this week, um, which is about your debut and you're, you're on the ground cramping and crying on your way to 140 and we saw the way you look. To me, it feels nonsensical to make you fight in this arbitrary weight class that doesn't exist. For what? What are we trying to prove? I don't understand it. Why mm. are you doing this?
4: You know, I don't understand either, but I think if I have blood hair and blue eye I suppose I have my division, you know. But you know, I was fi I was five one one I'm really upset about this because, you know, the girl I fight, she's a 145-pounder. And she's having to she lose weight either, you know. Uh, my team see her. She loses weight too. It's really hard for her because she's 145 too, same as me. And then I was really upset because I, I say I want to make 140 because I would like make super fights, you know. Yeah. Give me people the 10 top girls, you know. The top 10, the 135, she's every one, one. Have like a... One win and five loss. And she's top 10 and 135. And then people say, ah, your division just have bullshit girls. And 135 it's not. But okay, if you're the number 10, you have one, lo- one win and five uh, five lose. What do I mean? Like, why am I bullshit? man? I have a lot of girls? And Bellator have a girls 145. And Victor have a girls. Have a lot of girls, boxing girls 150, you know, 160. And, I, you know, I don't think this is a... a I don't think this is skills, you know. I want to kick a lot of girls, 135, as 135, but you have to check uh, the check. Who's the top ten, you know? And man, I, I don't know, I um, you know. But I'm doing my job, and I doing this for my fans. I do everything for my fans because they don't want to watch me if I'm the UFC now because then then appreciate my last fight. And then, because this I'm doing this, because this I make 140, it's really hard for me, you know, sometimes I say, man, I, I don't wanna do this anymore because, man, 140 is too hard for me, I don't wanna do this anymore. No, I love my job, I think, dude, because this I'm doing this, and I make 140 for my fans for do super fights for them. Okay, and but I want then take me my next opponent. Right. So if then want to keep 140, I want my fans to take my next opponent.
2: But I, no disrespect to Lena Landsberg, she's not a super fight. Very few people know who she is. Did you ever know? Did you ever hear of her when you were offered her? Did you know who she was?
4: you know I will really, I really, I really respect all my opponents because you know uh, you, you know me. you know yeah. I, I respect all my opponents. Everyone has to be something special for B, you know for fight me and for BFC and she's, I think she's appreciate beingFC too. And, you know, I really, I really don't know her when I didn't say my next opponent. And my team started to study her, watch her. And, yeah, but I really know it's she's 145 pounds.
2: Yeah. Did you or your team have a serious discussion with the UFC after 198 and say, look, if we can't get super fights, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, We just don't want to do this. We don't want to cut an extra five pounds for the sake of cutting an extra five pounds. There's nothing to be gained. There's no weight class. There's no belt at 140. Did you guys have that serious discussion with the UFC brass about your future?
4: You know, then, then we we talk about they know what I I mean. They know what's my dream. I didn't have my division, and have a lot of big girls and. I, not just me, you know, the girls in the world is not 135 pounds, you know, if you check the, the girls, the girls don't make this, no not lose weight every day. If you take care of everybody, at athlete, have more muscle, of course you'll be more heavy. And then my dream then have my, make my weight, you know, but if it's not possible now, of course I'll make 140, but I do like super fights. And super fights for my fans I want to watch and because then then I think then have to be my and fight the opponent for me and for being one forty. If you're not, you know, I don't have to be UFC F C for defend my belt and have my division. I can keep one forty, make super fight for my fans and defend my belt in victor, you know, mm-hmm. because I still were champ, you then I have to respect this, you know, I still were champ.
2: Um, okay so you think about what's to come in the next four days. Are, are you dreading this? Are you are you are you worried? Like, how would you describe your emotions right now as you're going to try to lose 25 pounds in the next four days?
4: I uh, do you know I have a lot of faith, and uh, something when I uh, get nervous, I pray a lot, and you know I I know my mind. I did everything right. You know I know I know I train really hard. I know I train every day, and then. I believe in all my team, you know, and I believe in George, you know, and and you know, I think, I think, I, I, you know, I think it'll be everything, everything all right, you know. I think it'll be easy because never e- easy for me, you know. I was hard. And uh, even when I make 145 is really hard, and 140 worst, everybody will watch my documentary to come soon. Yeah. And we, we start now Cyborg Nation. They, every week, every day today, till fight. people can watch the videos. You put every day, if I can see my, my weekend before fight. And, you know, people see the reality. It's, it's no worst. It's the reality, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't did anything for make worse for nobody, you know? I feel I'm sorry for me. No, I accepted this one for it because it's the opportunity I have and because I don't have my division. And, but the, I think it's really nice that people watch and to see it's not just my life. It's the life of all the fires, you know? And yeah, yeah, this,
2: this. is Is George in Brazil already?
4: Yeah, he flew with me and okay. he's already here with me.
2: Okay. And uh, do you know if there's going to be the early weigh-ins on Friday morning, like they've been doing the last couple months, or is it the the afternoon weigh-ins like they've been doing historically? Do you know when the weigh-ins are going to be?
4: Do You know, uh, I, I think it was really cool than then did now. You can check weight early because yeah. I have more time for recovery. And for me, it's amazing because, you know, guys see when how many weight, I, I, how much think I cut. And for me, I think it's a big deal change like this. I have more than, like, more than 24 hours for recover. And, yeah, I need to prepare for this. You know, my mind's strong. And something make my mind strong and when I train hard. You know, if I train hard, my mind's strong.
2: Okay, but you don't, uh, you don't know what time the weigh-ins are at? You don't know if it's early in the morning or later in the afternoon? Uh, it's early
4: in the morning. It's okay. 9
2: to 11. Oh, I that's think. good. Okay, well, I guess, yeah. I mean, maybe that means that you have less time, but you have no, more this time.
4: Is, this, this is, known that, this is not, uh, in Brazil. Uh, it's 9 to 11 in Brazil. Yeah. We're just uh, for the people, uh, for the athletes. And for the public, it'll be end of the day. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I've yeah. Uh, I've had the opportunity to cover some of them. It's uh, it's good for recovery, but maybe a little early for you. Um, is it f- I, yeah, early for me? Yeah, yes. you
4: probably have to cook cut the last weight in the morning. It'll be worse, Yeah.
2: Is it safe to say that this is your last time fighting at 140? If it's not a super fight, that you're not interested in fighting, you know, some 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 opponent that doesn't really mean much. Um, as far I, I think every time you fight, quite frankly, is a big deal, and you alone are enough to make a 145 pound division. I'm not just saying that because you're on the phone. I've said it time and again. But is it fair to say, if it's not a Misha Tate or Ronda Rousey, a, a Holly Holm type of opponent, you're not going to cut to 140 anymore?
4: You know, I think something something... I, know, I don't want to say I've never fight 140 again because it's not true, but probably I will, but a lot of things have to change. You know, for making 140, uh, I, I sacrifice a lot of things in my life, in my diet, my training, man, my thyroid. I take medicine to the thyroid every day because this is dieting. It's insane for me 140 and I started to have a problem with my title too. And I think you have a lot of things to put in table before I make 140 again. And I still have my contract with FC and have a couple fights too, but my division, we have to sit down and after this fight, you know, uh, I, I love 5FC, you know, I love the importance they give to me, but you know, my health is more important than everything in my life. After a fight, man, I want to have a, my family and I want to be enjoy with my, you know, I don't know, but,
2: yeah. Uh, have you ever had to cut this much weight before a fight, four days before the weigh-ins? Have you ever had to cut Around twenty five pounds. I think one
4: time because I was period, you know, in the period.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Girls
4: on the periods worse. Yeah. Know, you know, I think girls can can have five pounds extra when in period. I think it was hard to have to put this because man, the girls it's really harder than men. The men make easy. Then we eat right two days, then lose ten pounds, you know. And the men, the girls it's real hard. You know, yeah. it's really hard. And then now, the first time in my life, I take birth control like three months. Now I really know because I never take birth control. Yeah. Now I really know what the girls talking about. You know, and then, yeah, I think, yeah,
2: man, I think it will be, be hard. But you know, I, I'm prepared and be ready. Do you Do you recall how much you weighed on the Monday before UFC 198?
4: Uh, I think like, uh, let me see. Uh, I think I make it like 153, 152 Whoa. Tuesday.
2: So 153, 152 Tuesday, that's around mm-hmm. 12, 13 pounds less than you are right now. And still, we saw from that footage that you were crying on the ground, that you were in a lot of pain. I'm, I'm worried. You're not messing know, with me I here, know, right? No, You're but really... But
4: you know, I, I know. I, you know, I think because the birth control hold more water than normal. I hope so, you know. But the problem is the yeah. water has to take out my body.
2: So, you're you're really 165 pounds right now as we speak. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you're eating? Are you eating?
4: Nah, yeah, George just bring me like <laughs> one apple okay. and like seeds. I'm like a bird now. Like a couple of apples, uh, apple and seed, And yeah, but yeah. Is, is you George... You stop eating. You know, you need to eat a little bit, like three, three hours. Because if you stop eating, you stop lose weight. But now it's no lose weight. Because, man, you cannot lose weight in two days like it muscle, you know? And, yeah. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. You
2: know, is George in the room right now? No, he's not here. Oh, he's not here. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. But but you're you're still you're still um, you're still believing that you're going to do it. That it's going to be okay and that you're going to be able to fight on Saturday.
4: You have to keep believing. Huh? Yeah. To the end, you know, fight is the death. Have okay.
2: to be the end. In, mm. in, in, how many fights do you have left on your UFC contract? You know. And I, I repeat again. How many fights do you have left on your UFC contract? Uh, three, three, including Between this one, three. including this one, yeah. Okay, and in a perfect world, what do you want next? You get through Lena Landsberg on Saturday. What's the best scenario for Chris Cyborg? If don't you
4: know, super fight, somebody else super fight. I will defend my belt
2: in Invicta. Yes, man, I'm champ over there. Sure, know? yeah. And they have a show on Friday, which is kind of
4: or then can make my division give my belt same thing they did with Ronda. When the first ref then give it out before.
2: Yeah, that's what I think they should do. I think you, you deserve it. Yeah. Do you think it's a, it's a possibility? Are you are you hopeful that that's going to happen or not really?
4: Uh, no, I don't think so because Don White just did an interview yesterday. He say no.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but you know, so he said there was going to be no women a couple uh, you know a couple years ago, and now there's women. So you, yeah, you never know. Yeah, right.
4: I never know, you know. I just have to do my job, go over there Saturday and do a nice, amazing job, amazing fight for all the fans, Brazilian fans be there. And, you know, for the, the G1 present, give you the opportunity to fight in Brazil again. I really appreciate everyone here. And, you know, I, I just want to be make my super fight, super fight Saturday. And after this, I want to vacation and think about and let's see what's going what's going to be next.
2: Okay, Chris. Well, uh, I wish you the very best. Thank you so much for coming on okay. the show. And uh, good luck to you and, and keep us posted. And I hope that everything is okay. And, and, and please, you know, be safe and be healthy out there, okay? Okay.
4: No problem. Thanks so much. Okay.
2: Okay. Obrigado. Thank you very much. Obrigado. Chris Cyborg in Brazil, telling us that she weighs 165 pounds and has to cut around 24 or so to hit her weight on Friday. What? That is... That is uh, that is some, some scary stuff. Um, all right, well, let's, let's move along. We'll talk about that a little more as well later on in the program. But now we have to get to our next guest with some major breaking news. I said at the top, I told Chael Sonnen, this is big. This is, uh, this is very important for the future of the sport, the growth of the sport, the health of the sport. We've got Ed Sora's on the phone right now, longtime friend of the show, friend of the program, the president of Resurrection Fighting Alliance, longtime manager, of course. He is joining us right now on line number one. Ed, are you there? How's it going? Ed, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. So there's a lot going on in your world. There's some uh, rumblings out there. Let's get right to it. The floor is yours. What do you want to tell us?
5: Well, what uh, I'm here to tell you is that uh, Resurrection Fighting Alliance, the RFA, and Legacy Fighting Championship has merged we merged into one organization, and um, we just signed a uh, you know a, a five year deal. A multi, you know, it's a five year deal with uh, Access TV, and starting in 2017, uh, we're going to be doing 30 shows a year on Access TV. Um, and uh, the new name is uh, Legacy Fighting Alliance. The LFA is the new name of the. New company.
2: Wow. Well, congratulations to you and everyone involved. When you say merged, what exactly does that mean?
5: Well, basically, both of our companies came together and uh, we formed this new entity so that we, we merged our company. So, you know, this year, um, you know, uh, Legacy did 14 shows. We did 13 shows. So us together, we're going to do as LFA, we're going to do starting off in 2017, 30 shows. And uh, hopefully in the future, maybe even do more.
2: Wow. Um, How long has this been in the works for?
5: This has been in the works for about six to eight months.
2: And, And why? Why did you feel as president of RFA that this was beneficial to your organization?
5: Well, I just felt that, uh, you know, between the RFA and Legacy, we, w- we were the two organizations that are sending the most people to the USC and, and to Bellator. We were, we were, we were the two, uh, pre you know, the, the premier developmental organizations, and I felt that, you know, Legacy did an incredible job on their own, and we did an incredible job on our own, and we were both going to be successful individually, but I felt that when we joined forces, We'd be much stronger together as a unit uh, than we would be separately, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to cre- create the NCAA of, of mixed martial arts, and by legacy and uh, RFA coming together, that's exactly what we built.
2: And what is your position in this new LFA organization?
5: Uh, my position, I'll be the CEO. Okay. And. Sven Bean. Actually, Sven is here with me, too. You're on speakerphone. Sven's on, on, on the line, and Sven's uh, going to be the COO of, the, of, of our new company.
2: Hello, Sven. Congratulations to you as well.
6: Thanks, Ariel. Good to, good to be on, man. And we're, we're, uh, we're happy to be breaking it on your show, man. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good thing, good thing for the sport, good thing for the fighters, and we're excited.
2: And I appreciate that. So, um, Ed, are you, are you going to be the promoter, the face of the organization still?
5: Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's what what I'll be that's the position I'll be in, um, and and I enjoy doing that. I mean, you know, we're actually uh, we just got to Houston right now, and uh, we're going to be uh, meeting up, uh, you know, with Nick and uh, uh, and just getting together and setting up the game plan over the next three uh, days over uh, of how this is going to be all working out. But yeah, I'm going to be taking more of that role.
2: Um, And and you mentioned Mick Maynard, who is a longtime owner of of Legacy and sort of the face of that organization as well. Um, I got to ask you this. I saw him on the stage at UFC 203, and, and I've heard that he was in the running to replace Joe Silva as matchmaker for the UFC. Is this part of his transition out of that company and into the UFC?
5: Um, You know, right now, Mick, you know, obviously everyone knows he's a very well-respected guy in the mixed martial arts community. And and the way I look at it is, uh, uh, the way I look at it, he's got a lot of opportunities right now. um, And right now, he's got to make some decision on what he's going to do. And I think that within the next 24 to 48 hours, he's going to be pulling the trigger on what his next steps are going to be, and everyone will know.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, so he won't be a part of this new organization, LFA.
5: Uh, he's not going to be part of the managing of the uh, running the company now.
2: Okay, and and is it fair to assume that like just all the fighters on your roster, all the fighters on the legacy roster, are now just under one umbrella?
5: Yeah, definitely, it's going to be under one umbrella. And you know, the great thing is, I mean, everyone knows, you know, with, with the sort of exposure that we're able to get, give them on Access TV and, and being over forty-five countries all over the. world. um, I think that with having that many amount of shows, I mean, I think if a fighter's goal is to get to the next level in their career, I really don't see a better organization to do that with, because we're not doing six, eight, ten shows a year. We're going to be doing 30 shows a year. So, if I was a fighter, um, for me, I would think it was a pretty easy decision where I'm going to be signing and where I want to the place where I want to consider my home.
2: Um, Okay, so...
6: After that, Ariel, on an operational standpoint, um, we RFA and Legacy both have commitments through the end of 2016 Mm -hmm. as independent promotions. Our guys, we're going to continue our shows. Our guys are going to fight. But what we will be doing is we will be having their champions fight our champions to create the inaugural LFA champion and go on from there. And that whoever that person is, whether you know whoever holds the belt is going to be the king dog in that weight division, and we're going to build our roster is kind of based on that. So that's that's the plan moving forward, but we still both both companies still have, you know, three shows to do, four shows to do this until the end of the year. So
1: Okay, so and, 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 yeah, go, go ahead. we
6: have a lot of we have a lot of other
5: things too that, that, that we're gonna be announcing, you know, probably within, you know, we're gonna put out a probably gonna have a press release or a press uh, press conference to kind of announce a lot of the other things that we're doing that are gonna really make it different and, and we like I said, we really want to create this NCAA, AAA league, um, a developmental organization, and, and that's what we're really excited about in growing the sport. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know when, when, when we're all gone, I just want to know that we're able to make a difference and, uh, and being able to help guys achieve their goals and being a part of one of the steps in their career to get them to where they want to go. Is, is I think what what we're about, and I'm I'm real excited to do that um, thirty times a year next year.
2: Are you are you hoping to be the official sort of minor league system of the UFC so that they can't go to other organizations in North America? They just you know if they want to send a, a fighter down to you know to get back you know on their feet to get back on track, they'll send them to you, and you can give them ta- like is that a goal here or is that impossible given the structure of the sport?
5: Hey, everything's possible i mean when when we started off in this business that 's what our goal was was to be uh, a developmental organization for the u s c um, and that, that's not going to change. I just think that it's it's kind of it, it's kind of uh obvious that that's what it's going to be. I mean what other show out there is doing thirty shows a year? And it's going to be developing talent and letting them go to further their career. Nobody else out there is doing that. The UFC, you sign a deal, you're with the UFC. That's where you want to be. If you go to Bellator, uh, that's where you're at. You know. And for us, we're we're developing these guys. um, We're developing these guys, and we're handing them off. So I don't really see another organization in the world that is capable of doing that with the amount of shows that we're doing.
2: Um, Okay, so thirty shows is a lot obviously and and as I mentioned, you also uh, you know you've you've been a manager for for many many years, likes of the Noguera brothers, Anderson Silva, the list right. goes on and on. Are you going to be able to do both?
5: No, I'm not, and starting in the beginning of uh uh, 2017. I'm going to finish out my duties. Listen, guys like Anderson, guys like Noguera, guys like Lioto. These guys are my friends. These guys are my family. I'm still going to be there with them. But as far as managing, uh, my partner George is uh, is taking over uh, Tough Media, which will be the management company, and um, and and I'm going to be focusing 100 percent on the LFA and um you know it's it's uh it's a bittersweet day i you know the management i've had an incredible management career i've had um i I've, I've had a blessed career um but you know when it boils down to it i feel that there's really not too much more that I can get from the management business that I haven't already gotten. I, I've managed one of the greatest of all time. I've managed various champions and being a manager has been, been a blessing. But I'm really excited uh, about this new chapter in my life about getting helping guys get to where they wanna go because I had to really dig deep and think about why I got into this business. And when I got into this business, it was really for one reason, and that was I really enjoyed helping guys get to where they want to go. And as a manager, I was able to do that with a lot of different guys. Um, and I just feel that uh, with, with uh, the RFA and now with the LFA, what's going to happen is, is that, you know, like, like for instance, in the, in the RFA, you know, we've put 52 guys into the UFC in the past three years. And out of those 52 guys, only six of them were guys that we kind of worked with. And, and, and that's what kind of made me see that, you know what, I'm able to help so many more people and touch so many more people's lives as a promoter than I was able to do as a manager. And that's what makes me feel good. That's what fulfills me is helping these guys achieve their goals. It's like, you know, when guys fight in, in the RFA and now when they fight in the LFA, it's like a fraternity, man. Uh, for the rest of your career, we're there supporting you, helping promote you, even after you leave, because it really, for us, it's not about getting the guys to the UFC or develop or developer. it's about keeping guys there. And that's what's important to us.
2: Are you going to have an exclusive relationship with the UFC, or can guys still go from RFA to Bellator?
5: No, they—they they, they, guys can go to where they think is going to benefit their career. Okay, and we're a developmental organization, so to me, it's kind of like I've said many times before. When I look at the landscape, when I look at the landscape of mixed martial arts, and and I compare it to American football, I look at it as. Okay, uh, you know, you've got the NFL, which is similar to the UFC. You've got Bellator, which is kind of like the Canadian Football League. And now with with uh, with um, Legacy and RFA joining forces, we're truly like the NCAA. And all those other organizations out there that are televised, to me, those are like the arena footballs. Yes, you're on the road, but where are you on the road to? And that's the difference is we're, 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 the LFA is a place where you're either – you're stopping through on your way up or you're stopping through on the way down. If you want to test yourself against the best talent in, that's coming up in the world, this is where you're going to, this is where you're going to do it at. So to, to us, we're, really kind of, uh, we're like a, you know, like a, like a minor league team or a minor league organization. So it, it, when you're on your way up, or on your way down that's where you're going to test yourself to see if you're still really really ready to, to compete at the highest level
2: so playing devil's advocate a little bit a minor, let's say a triple A team for the Yankees they're still under the Yankees umbrella so they don't have to necessarily worry about you know making money selling tickets etc of course it's something that they want to do but as long as they're part of the Yankees family they're, they're still going to be around a college football team like the University of Michigan can't have their quarterback just taken by the Buffalo Bills this Saturday and, totally. and so, so how are you guys how do you make money as a promotion an independent promotion when you can make a star he becomes a champion and then tomorrow he's gone and now you have to build a new star and then a new star isn't that very very trying isn't that a very tough task that the UFC Beltor don't have to worry about because when someone's on their contract they're there for you know x amount of fights you can have your top guy that you've been grooming for two three years gone in a flash
5: Yeah, you know, that's a that's the way a lot of people um, think about it. And, you know, we've always taken a different approach and we kind of like to think outside the box. But at the end of the day, we're not here promoting one particular fighter or the other. We're here promoting the organization. And what people are going to be tuning into the LFA for is they're going to be tuning in to watch the future stars. And that is actually our slogan that we came up with, which is LFA, where the future is now. You're going to be able to see the future superstars now. And that is our goal. So people are going to be tuning into the LFA, not because Bill's fighting or Tommy's fighting or whoever. They're going to be tuning into the LFA because they want to see the best unsigned talent compete. Okay. And that's what we're promoting.
2: How many fighters do you think will be under this new LFA umbrella? How, how, do you think like 200, 100? What's the ballpark figure?
5: Infinity. I, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I, I have no idea because, because you know, uh, you know we... we we run our business a little bit differently, so I mean, we are going to be doing 30 shows. We're going to have a lot of guys signed, but we haven't really gotten boiled down to how many guys we're going to have signed because, you know, as you can see, guys get signed from our organization. So, I mean, every week, just about like we have, we've only done um, with the RFA, we've done 40, 43 events. And uh, we've already put 52 people inside uh, the UFC, not including everyone that we've sent to Bellator. So when you look at it that way, it, it's really hard. To, we're going to be constantly signing people and constantly letting people go to move up. So, you know, currently right now, when you look at uh, how many uh, in the current UFC roster, uh, we have about 14 percent of the current UFC roster um, have, have come from uh, our, our RFA and legacy alumni. So I believe with the amount of uh, the amount of shows we're going to do, I think that uh, that number is only going to increase over the next few years.
2: Wow! So you're going to do almost as many shows in 2017 as your promotion has done in its entire history. Yeah.
3: That is right. you are correct. <laughs> good l- <laughs> uh,
2: any new markets uh, I mean typically you seem to be going like west coast, midwest, not a lot of East Coast shows are you going to be you know not I don't think you've ever been to Canada. Are you going to start expanding now a bit? Uh, we're going
5: to start expanding, but we're definitely going to be hitting the East Coast. And with doing that uh, amount of shows, you know, our goal is really we're going to do 30 shows in 2017. And uh, and in 2018, we're planning on doing 40 shows a year.
3: Wow.
2: And, and just for sort of semantics, is it fair to say that RFA bought Legacy? No. It, it, it no. did. No. Okay.
5: It, it Is a true, it was a true merger. Okay. We basically came together, we came together, and. and and we merged, it wasn't, uh, we bought them or they bought us. Um, we just kind of, uh, we just got married.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. They
6: have their staff yeah. and, uh, we have ours and, you know, on the, on, on the amount of shows that we're doing, if you add up what, Le- uh, what legacy did last year and what we did last year, it's close to 30 shows. Anyway, they have their existing markets that they're, that they're been going to for years and do very well at, and we have the same. And so we're going to hit all those markets. But at the same time with the new venture, we're able to go into some new markets and we definitely 100% want to go to, to the East Coast because neither Legacy or our RFA really put our footprint down there. Um, but as the LFA, I can guarantee that we will.
2: Who approached who? How did it start? Did they come to you or did you go to them?
5: Actually, uh, to, to be 100% honest with you, when when I, when we got involved with the RFA, uh, one time in one of our first meetings that I had with Sven um, I, I told him, I said, what we need to do to really make a move. And, and I didn't even really know Mick at the time. Uh, and I just said, we need to merge with uh, Legacy because I knew that Legacy and RFA were the guys that were developing the most talent. And I think that that was the best way to give both of us the best leverage in the market. Um, with doing this you know, amount of shows and, and putting on the sort of products that, that we've been putting on and putting on the types of shows we've been putting on, I think it, it really opens up a lot of opportunities in many ways. Um, by doing 30 shows a year, it really opens up... Uh, from, from a marketing standpoint, from a platform. you know, We're doing 13 shows, Legacy was doing uh, 14 shows a year, but together us doing 30 shows, we can really build some strategic partnerships with the right sponsors and with the right people that wanna get involved. And I think that you know, having 30 shows and having that sort of a frequency is really gonna open up the doors to really bring bigger and, and, and more mainstream sponsors and more mainstream partnerships uh, to our organization.
2: Uh, last thing, do you know when the first LFA show will be? Do you have a date yet?
5: July 13th. I, I'm sorry, January 13th. Ah, okay, I
2: was July wondering. 7th, I was like,
5: that, that January, seems like little... yeah, January 13th.
2: January 13th, where? Uh, Houston. Houston. and That's interesting. That's kind of like a backyard for Legacy. And do you know who will be on the card yet, or is it too early? I know I'll be there. <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's why I'll go because you'll be there
5: but 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 then, but 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 there will be we do have some things in the work that it's going to it's going to be a big card we're going to probably try to have we're going to try to have at least two of the new uh inaugural lfa champions so what we're going to do is we're going to in the in, in the determined weight divisions we're going to have the l uh the, the rfa champion fighting that legacy champion for the new lfa title
2: okay well that 's fun. Well, congratulations to you guys, uh, Ed Sven, Thank you very much for coming on the show to talk about this, like I said, a, a very important piece of news, um, and, and especially when you talk about guys coming up to the UFC, trying to you know revamp their careers, trying to go to Bellator. Uh, as, as Ed spelled out rather uh, convincingly and and, and, and clearly, uh, a lot of those guys come from either the RFA or legacy. So why not make it into one organization? I wish you guys uh, the very best. Again, thank you for coming on the show and we'll be keeping our eyes on this. I'm looking forward to seeing you know what it turns into, the new organization, and especially when you're putting on that many shows. I wish you guys the very best. Thank you.
5: Thanks, Ariel. And hey, I'm heading to New York at the end of the week, so if you have some time, maybe we can...
2: Always always have time for you, Ed. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you, guys. All the best. Uh, Ed Soros and Sven Beam, excuse me, CEO and COO of the new Legacy Fighting Alliance. It was the Legacy Fighting Championship. It was the Resurrection Fighting Alliance. Now they're one. And interesting to note that Mick Maynard, who was on that stage at UFC 203 in Cleveland, uh, I pointed him out. I saw him earlier in the day. Uh, There are some strong rumblings that he is going to go over to the UFC to be a matchmaker and perhaps replace Joe Silva and have Sean Shelby take Joe Silva's weight classes and Maynard take Shelby's. It's, It's all very fluid, but that seems to be the strong indication. This appears to be another strong indication that this is happening. And uh, I've actually reached out to McManer to ask him about it, but he said he couldn't talk about it at this time. So we'll see. 24, 48 hours. That's what Ed hinted at. Uh, let's see what happens. But all signs seem to point to it, especially after the news Ed just broke. Okay, uh, let's move along. Sage Northcutt is always in the news. It seems like everyone is calling this young man out. Uh, we have not heard from him in quite some time. Last time he fought was UFC 200. Big win for him over Enrique Mare, And he joins us right now via the phone. Sage, how are you? how are you I'm doing great Sage it's great to have you You know I'm a little disappointed we usually like to have you on via Skype Uh, this time I think for the first time you're on via the phone but we'll take it nonetheless it's always a pleasure to talk to you yes sir thank you Uh, where are you right now Sage
7: so I'm actually in the car I'm heading to Dallas to train so uh, that's the reason why I couldn't be on the Skype right now even though I would love to be okay I don't have any Wi-Fi
2: (laughs) oh it's all good uh why why are you going to Dallas to train so uh, I actually have a
7: friend up here, um, my friend Drake Dudley, his dad, and uh, one of my coaches, Alan Muller, I'm going to be training with up here in Dallas. So uh, that's what I'm going to be training right now.
2: Okay. Um, so so as I mentioned, you're you're always in the news, but you were very much in the news last week. Uh, Mickey Gall defeated CM Punk and went on the microphone and said he wanted to fight you. Did you hear this? Did you see the fight?
7: Yes, sir. I did see the fight. And then actually, when he said that, me and my, uh, my team, my coaches, actually uh, reached out and said yes to the fight.
2: Oh, so you want to take this fight?
7: That, that's, that's great with me. So I, I said yes to it, and uh, I'm
2: looking forward to it. You, you get called out every week, it seems. Why does this <laughs> one interest you?
7: <laughs> that's funny. You know, <laughs> actually, I like the fact about 170 for this fight, because my previous fights, I've had a tough time uh, making weight at 155, having tough weight cuts. So after this fight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure it out. Um, and it's, it's been kind of like trial and error with me with the weight cut. So I'm doing one at a time. I'm getting used to it and I'm figuring it out. But uh, after this fight at 170, then I'm going to go back and make sure I get that down.
2: Okay. So is there a chance that you will not be fighting at 155 ever again?
7: No, no. I, I absolutely will, for sure. Okay. And uh, I think I, I've just been having trouble, I guess, cutting the weight and uh, having the right weight cut. I've been doing it on my own, so after this fight, this fight happens at 170, then after this, I'm going to go back and uh, make sure I get that down.
2: Now, of course, um, back in January, you had that, you know, short notice fight against Brian Barbarina, didn't go your way, and that was at 170. Uh, are, Are you worried considering how that fight went? I know you were dealing with a lot of health issues that fighting guys at 170 is just too tough. They may be a lot bigger than you.
7: No, I'm not worried about fighting at 170 at all, and you know, that was that was a weird deal, Mr. Owani, because I was uh, having one fight, just like Mr. Zahabi actually told me, having so many fights so soon, cutting so much weight to go down to 155, over and over and over, like I did at the time, having three fights in a row, back to back, very close to each other, it runs down your immune system. So that's what happened. Then coming up about a week before the fight against Barbarina, my immune system was run down. I was very sick. Um, we figured that going up to fight at 170 would be a good, uh, great thing, but... At the time, my body just didn't heal up, and it wasn't feeling right. So. But this time coming around, I guess having, having more time uh, notice for it and to fight at 170, I should be healthy.
2: Now, do you know when this fight is going to happen, you versus Mickey Gall? So there's, nothing, there's nothing officially confirmed yet,
7: and uh, I know the UFC and we're talking about it, but uh, hopefully December time, that's what it looks like.
2: Okay, because he was uh, pushing for New York November 12th. Is that a little too soon for you?
7: You know, normally that would be great, and I, w- I would say that's great, but to tell the truth, I haven't really gotten to train very much just because I'm healing up from a staph infection, actually. that's yeah. getting cleared up, and, and just uh, coming off my last fight, I, w- I would have liked to train more, but all I've really been able to do since the fight was just train a few body parts here and there, working out in the gym with weights. Not much grappling or stand-up like I'd like to, so this summer time.
2: Okay, so um, is this the same staph infection that you were dealing with before UFC 200, or is it a new one?
7: So what's weird is there's so many different kinds of staff actually, and I was told from various doctors that there's staff pretty much on everybody on this earth that's walking around every day. So that's what's weird. It, it can get in your, your immune system, get inside your, your bloodstream, and it can travel throughout your blood, and that's the last thing you want. So. That's why I haven't been able to train very much uh, come off from the fight, because I caught this staff, and it's a weird thing, and um, it's actually similar to the one I had in Canada, but this one's healing up quicker, and and uh, what's, what's weird about it is if you get your heart rate raised up too high, that's how it spreads. Oh. That's the last thing you want, so I'm going to have to be very careful of what I do and what kind of training.
2: Are, are you worried that you're a little more susceptible to getting staff while training? You know,
7: it's... The fact that's on our bodies every single day, that's that's definitely kinda creepy for sure, but <laughs> but I'm, but getting to getting to I guess eat more so if this fight happens at one seventy, getting to eat more and um, walk around my normal weight and, and not have to constantly under eat, diet down and make way to one fifty five, I think uh, I should be healthier for sure and should keep that away for this fight.
2: Now did you watch the Mickey Gall CM Punk fight? Did you watch it live? Yes, sir. I sure did. Uh, what did you What did you make of of Mickey Gall as as a fighter? Were you impressed by him? Were you not all that impressed? What was your your takeaway from from that fight?
7: So looking at that fight, actually, his previous two fights in the UFC, he fought he fought two guys that came in to fight him, which I've actually never seen happen ever before. That had. An MMA record of nothing. So they had no <laughs> MMA record. Um, I don't think they had, they had no pro MMA record, no even amateur MMA record. So they had no fights at all. And uh, I think him just going in and fighting two different guys that had no fights. I think they were both close to 40 years old or something like that too. It's almost like fighting someone's dad. So <laughs> that's, that's only trained very little for a fight. And it, it was definitely interesting if you think of it that way.
2: Yeah. And then he fights CM Punk, who obviously had no experience either. Uh, and, and, and he's close to 40 as well. Um, were you impressed by that win, or was that what you were expecting?
7: Well, I think everybody was expecting that. And I just want to say that CM Punk, that was, that was awesome for him to get out there and, and have the guts to go out there and fight, because not everybody will do that. So to get inside the octagon, and, and, and he said it was his dream to go out there and, and fight his dream out there, so that's, that's awesome for him. And uh, I think everybody kind of expected it to go the way it did. He was fighting a guy that trained very little, and, uh, and and the fight went just like I'm sure everybody expected.
2: And then he gets on the microphone. Did you have any inkling? Did you have any idea that he was going to mention you almost right away?
7: Uh, no, sir. I was just watching the fights, and I was just, uh, just checking him out.
2: Okay, and then he starts calling you names. He says you're corny. Like, you know, He's getting a little personal here. Were you offended by it?
7: <laughs> no way, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know hey, you know what's funny, Mr. Hawani Yes. that he said uh he's talking about my hair. He wanted to punch the spikes out of my hair. And he said, looking at that from, from his fight size seen, you know, in his pictures, his hair kinda looks like mine. <laughs> it just doesn't have the hair gel in it. It doesn't look like so I'm thinking maybe
2: he should get some hair gel and style it or something. Yeah, oh wow. the the, the <laughs> them's fighting words, Sage. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of playing with his hair on the way to the cage and, you know, being the cool guy and everything. Um, so, so, he didn't get under your skin. He didn't offend you with any of the words that he said.
7: No, sir. Absolutely not.
2: Is it fair to say that skill-wise and experience-wise that he's below you, that you feel like this is kind of a step down for you in a way?
7: Well, you know, all, all I can say is that I believe I had better grappling than him, and I believe that better stand up if I want to go out there I can take the fight wherever I want so if I want to go out there and stand up with him and, and knock him out I believe I can do that if I want to take him down and submit him, then I believe I can do that also
2: hmm. so, so nothing he does in any area of the game really impresses you all that much
7: N- nothing that stands out to me
2: Okay. Um, and going back to UFC 200 for a second, were you, you know, considering what happened in January, were you feeling more pressure? I know we talked about it a little bit before, but in the locker room, in the hours leading up to the fight, because it was such a big deal, what were you feeling like as you were preparing to try to, you know, snap the sort of losing streak, if you will? I know it was just one, but try to get back on track. What what was going on in your mind, in your belly? How are you feeling?
7: Oh, I felt great. There's no pressure on me, actually. So, that's one thing that's great about me is that I don't have that pressure on me, I guess, that's pounding against me or, or I'm feeling nervous about this or that. I, I just don't feel that out there. So that's good. But, but something that's interesting is all the fights that I've had at 155 so far since my weight cut has been tough, it, it, I just haven't felt quite right out there. So if that makes sense, my body didn't feel, uh, feel quite right. I haven't performed like I know I can. So um, it'll be interesting to go out there to fight at 170
2: for this. Oh, okay. Um, I, I totally see. Uh, now, now, were you happy with your performance looking back? I know you said you didn't feel quite right, but overall were you happy with what you did out there at 200?
7: Yes, sir, I was happy. Obviously, everybody wants to finish their opponent off. And uh, I, was just, I, I was honored to be able to fight on UFC 200 and, um, and just have the ability to fight that night.
2: Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of points where it seemed like it got a little tricky for you on the ground with some submissions. Did he ever have you in, in a tough spot? where you ever consider tapping? Were you ever worried that you might have to tap?
7: That's uh, true. I had very tight joints, so I, I felt good while I was out there, but um, he did have a few positions that were pretty tight, and you know, I heard that he was a pretty good grappler uh, after the fight, and, and I thought that was interesting.
2: Was Moran tougher than you thought he would be?
7: You know, I, I really can't describe how, how tough my weight cut for this was. So wow, it it, it really wasn't. Um, I guess the amount of toughness that of my opponent Marine when I was out there, but it was a great fight, and um, I'm I'm glad he took the fight.
2: Now back to the, the the present. How quickly after hearing the Mickey Gall call out did you guys call Dana White and say we want in? So
7: actually. Our team called him within just a few minutes, actually, I believe. Wow. And it was, uh, it was very, very soon after that.
2: Do you get a kick out of all these people almost every single UFC show someone calls you out? Do you find this funny?
7: Uh, I, do, I do find it pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's actually a compliment. Yeah. That uh, people want to fight you. What, what I find funny is if, if some of the guys at the top try to call you out or towards the top because that doesn't make sense. If they're, if they're taking the, I guess, going backwards in the rankings when someone's trying to work their way up, that doesn't quite make sense. They should be going to, to try to call out the champion if they're going to call someone out. They're yeah. trying to improve their game.
2: That's, yeah, it, it is kind of funny. So, so you just laugh it off. Do, do you have any idea why everyone is calling you out? Why are they always picking on you? You
7: know, I, I don't really know what to say about that, but um, I take it as a compliment. All
2: right. Well, it's good you take it as... I saw a picture that you posted not that long ago on your uh, Instagram uh, and you wrote cinnamon bun and you're doing... I guess you're working out your legs. I've never seen anything like this. This photo has to be... I wish we could show it right now. This photo has to be Photoshop, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. The, the, The muscles in your thighs are just bulging out. This is crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about, which picture I'm talking about?
7: Oh, yes, sir. No, no, it's not Photoshop. That's actually a real picture.
2: <laughs> that is <laughs> That's insanity. A
7: picture that, uh, I believe my brother took it, actually.
2: Well, he's a great photographer. So, <laughs> well, why cinnamon bun? Why did you caption that cinnamon bun?
7: Oh, thanks. You know what? Uh, My my nutrition company that, that I get all my supplements from called the Broad Nutrition that I order my uh, supplements from, they have a new RTD, which is a ready-to-drink protein shake and a cinnamon bun flavor. Oh. And I was just pumped up that I was drinking cinnamon bun while I'm working out. (laughs) Because it tasted like, it tasted like an actual, like, cinnamon bun dessert.
2: Uh, How many sessions do I need to partake in to get thighs like that? What do you, what do you think? (laughs) Thanks, Mr. (laughs) Hawani.
7: It definitely takes, it takes a lot of work for sure.
2: It's It's unbelievable. I mean, if you eat,
7: if you eat right and you're constantly working it, then I know it could
2: happen. Do you ever have a cheat day where you just eat very poor you know, a poor diet, junk food, like, do you, do you have one day of the week where you kind of go crazy?
7: Uh, no, sir. I mean, I've actually, of course, I've eaten junk food before or, or eaten out somewhere, but I always eat very healthy. And I think that's why I walk around very lean. And, and that's also possibly a reason why, why it's pretty tough for me to get out of 155 because I'm, I'm a pretty big 155er. And uh walk around, get my body fat checked. I checked a few times, and I walk around with close to 3% body fat. So Whoa. That's, that's why it's pretty tough.
2: What's your biggest vice as far as food is concerned? Like when you want to just kind of get some comfort food? Is there something that comes to mind?
7: I, I love sushi. And I know it's not that that's, unhealthy, but, come on. but sushi has got to be my favorite.
2: Sushi is not a vice. If that's, if that's your biggest vice, then I'm in big trouble.
7: <laughs>
2: that's funny. <laughs> so that's it. No no, no chocolate chip cookies, no cheesecake, no, none of that. Sushi is where it ends.
7: I do like chocolate chip cookies,
2: but oh, okay.
7: I would have to go with sushi probably. How about you?
2: Uh, that's a good question. You know, I really like tiramisu cake. I talked about that last week on the show. Have you ever had tiramisu cake?
7: I think I've tried it before. It's been a long time, but I think it's very good.
2: Yeah. It has a bit of um, a coffee taste to it. My mother makes a fantastic one. In fact, she's listening right now. I'm sure she'd make you a slice the next time you fight near Montreal, the East Coast. She'd be more than... She, she's a big fan of yours, actually.
7: Oh, that's very nice.
2: <laughs> I think all moms are fans of yours. It,
7: oh, thank you. <laughs> hope hope I can... Meantime.
2: Yeah, you know, and that goes. And as we wrap this up, that goes back to Mickey Gall and his his trash talking. I thought uh, you know it was a bit below the belt to say that you were corny and whatnot. You know, call it the fu- you know call the guy out, but uh, I thought maybe he, he he took it a step too far there.
3: Yes,
7: sir, I agree, and I, I think a step too far was when he's when he's cussing and yes, and saying the curse words out there because I, I don't know. He says that's how he gets people's attention, but I don't know what kind of people's attention he's trying to get if. If he's cussing out there, is it the family? Is it the moms? The little kids that are watching? I, I don't know, but it doesn't seem very appropriate.
2: Uh, do you think that this guy is uh, kind of, you know, in dreamland, like you said, he's 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 defeated these guys who are going into fights with no pro or amateur records, you know, the, the the Mike Jackson, CM Punk's like, do you feel like he's in for a rude awakening when he fights someone like you that almost has now 10 fights under his belt professionally?
7: Well, like I said, um, I- I've never heard of it before. Fighting two people that have had zero fights, pro or amateur, so I think anybody that's in the UFC is very talented, and and uh, anybody he fights, it's going to be um, very interesting.
2: Okay. Uh, and last question for you, Sage. And again, thank you so much for the time. It's always great having you on the show. Um, I feel like the sort of social media stuff has quieted down. Like you're, you're now sort of settling into your groove. People are really supporting you. And if they're not, they're kind of just leaving you alone. Is that accurate? Has all the sort of hysteria of earlier this year sort of quieted down and now you're kind of, you're in that groove as your career settles in?
7: Yes, sir. A little bit. And you know, it doesn't really ever quiet down actually. So obviously the UFC is great at social media. So the social media is always growing, which is awesome so the to me the more the more fans the more people that I get to meet and I guess reach out to and they get to enjoy watching me fight or or travel and and watch me do this or that and follow my career I think that's that's a blessing so that's that's awesome and I like that so. It's not, I wouldn't say it's quieting down. I I think it's
2: just basically getting started. Oh, okay. I I didn't mean the the love that you get, maybe just sort of the jealousy and the nonsense tweets and things of that nature, but you always have such a great head on your shoulders. Uh, I think you're a fantastic role model. Let me ask you this one last question. Is there a specific date that you want in in December, that pay-per-view in Toronto, that Fox show in uh, Sacramento, that pay-per-view in Las Vegas, December 30th? Is there a specific date that you have in mind?
7: Not, not a specific, specific date in mind right now, but probably towards the, the mid of December.
2: Okay. So, All right. Well, maybe, maybe in so. Sacramento Fox. Sage, uh, again, thank you so much for the time. Uh, safe travels to Dallas. Again, I always appreciate your insight. I always appreciate having you on, and uh, I wish you the best in getting that fight against Mickey, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll talk to you before the fight. Uh, I look forward to it. I think there's going to be a lot of interest in that one.
7: Thank you very much. Me too. And um, sorry I couldn't do the Skype today because I was driving, but... I would have loved
2: to. Next time for sure. It's a date. Yes, sir. All right. Sounds um, great. There he is. Super Sage Northcut stopping by. Uh, looks like he may have a, a big fight on his hands against Mickey Gall. How about that? That's a big one. I like it. It makes sense. Let's do it. December. December it is. All right. Let's go from Super Sage Northcut to Raging Ally Aquinta. There he is. Wow. Look at this guy. There he is. Wow. Realtor to the stars, are you a real estate agent now? I am. This kind of came out of nowhere. I saw your Facebook page. Are you at your office right now? I am. <laughs> Usually, you're in, uh, you know, your bedroom. You're kind of in this dark. It feels like an underground layer. But now here you are. You're like you've gone pro on us,
8: or the opposite,
2: or the opposite. Okay. Um, when when and we're going to get to all the stuff about two hundred five. But when did you? discover that you wanted to be a real estate agent?
8: Uh, I When I purchased my house, I had a lot of fun doing it. I liked looking at a bunch of houses. Real estate's good. Houses, you know, money.
2: Money. Money is good.
8: It's a good opportunity. To, the real estate is, is a good opportunity to make money in real estate always. So it's, uh yeah, I just, uh, I enjoyed the process of, of buying my own house. And, uh, then I met through getting my, my real estate license. I, uh, met people that are doing real estate investments and I hooked up with them and I have a mentor, Nick LaMagna, who, uh, actually trains at Sarah's and and he's flipped houses all over the country. So he's, uh, he's been showing me a few things. I haven't really done much yet, but looking to, uh, looking to get into the real estate industry.
2: All right. Well, I wish you luck with that. Now let's talk fighting here because, um, A couple of weeks ago, word got out that you were targeted for UFC 205, November 12th, in New York City, Madison Square Garden. That's the card we all know as a Long Island boy that you wanted to fight on. And we heard that the opponent was going to be Tiago Alves. Very big fight, big name, etc. Rumblings late um, last week that this fight was in jeopardy. And then this morning, you talked to FoxSports.com and you sort of lay it all out there. And you confirmed yeah. that you are off the card. Is that true?
8: Pretty sure I've been pulled off the card. Yeah. Okay, so what I happened? Her, I asked for more money. I asked for more money uh, when I, when uh, you know, I just looking at my contract and what I've been through, uh, just a number of things. There's a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of reasons that I asked. Uh, you know, I talked to my manager. I said, look, I can't, I really can't see a uh, possibility of fighting for what the what my what the contract here is for there's a lot of things that have changed since i signed the contract and uh you know for me to go in there risk you know my health risk everything that that you risk when you go into a cage fight uh i just said look i can't do it we gotta we gotta ask him for more money we gotta ask for you know maybe we can negotiate something and uh you know, my manager told me there's probably not a good chance of that happening. So uh, I said, you know what? Look, I'm not. I can't do it. I can't financially. I can't fight for this for this this purse. Um, if I win the fight and they take taxes out and I pay my trainers, I make okay money. Okay for. For fighting in a cage, I don't know about it. God forbid, I don't win the fight. Taxes, trainers, all the expenses, everything that goes into a training camp. I'm basically fighting at Madison Square Garden for free, and it's uh, it's just unreasonable. So uh, I asked them to reach out to the UFC, and I, from what he tells me, there was no consideration of a negotiation whatsoever um so that's that
2: so what did they so so your manager dave martin reaches out late last week and says hey guys um yes we you never signed the bout agreement right
8: never signed it no it was sitting there and i was just looking at it and i was like oh msg it's going to be so cool but then i was thinking i can't afford i can't afford to do that i can't do it it's just and uh you know to fight a madison square garden and you know how many people are gonna know me? I fight at Madison Square Garden. Imagine you see me driving around in a freaking 2005 Nissan. Dude, you just fought at Madison Square Garden. What are you doing driving this car? You know, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. You know, so I can't. And it's not like I live a. I don't live a crazy life where I'm spending money. I don't have. I have no change I have. You know, I have. Uh, you know, a modest house in Long Island is pretty. You know, it's not not a very expensive house, and that's. Basically, all I spent my money on. So, I don't, it's not like I'm going on, I haven't gone on a vacation in years. I haven't spent a lot of money on anything. So, I, you know, my money, I'm pretty, I'm pretty wise with saving money. Um, so that's not the reason. It's just, you know, it's just, there's just not, not enough money being paid to me for, to, to do what I'm doing, to risk my body. The, the last couple of years, the last year and a half, year and change, I don't know, since my last fight, since my knee, it's been, uh, it's been stressful. It's been depressing. Um, at, one, at points, I thought my career was over. I, you know, I needed a knee surgery. That for a knee that was injured, um, fighting in the cage. You know, I fought for the UFC. I injured my knee, and I was basically just told, "Listen, we'll pay for fifty You know, hospital special surgery. Where is the best surgeon who does this surgery? Uh, it's a very expensive place very expensive. It's the most expensive hospital, but he is the best guy. And for someone that wants to fight again, that's who you want to go to. And they said, because it's so expensive, normally it would cost $15,000. So we're going to cover $15,000 and you can cover the rest. And I said, well, I can't cover the rest. And even if I could cover the rest, I wouldn't be able to cover the eight month rehab process where I'm sitting there not making any money. So I don't understand how they want me to to do that is, you know, it's not, it's not possible. So they asked me, they, they wanted me to get a stem cell injection. Stem cell injections have been proven not to work in uh, articular cartilage injuries. Um, but their doctor wanted me to do it. So I flew to LA. I saw him. That's what he recommended. I come back. I got this stem cell injection. Six months later, what, what was it? Five months later, something like that. No results. We're back where we were, you know. And I wasted five months of my life, just on on something that I knew it wasn't. I told them it wasn't going to work. I knew it wasn't going to work. So, uh, you know, I, I went back to the doctor, and I, he said, "Let's just schedule the surgery. Put a little pressure on them. Maybe they'll pay for it." And then, it was uh, it was the Saturday before the surgery, and I'm sitting there, and I wasn't getting a call back from the medical department. Uh, it was a, it was the weekend of a big fight. I could I was. I was at my, I was in the car, just like pulling my hair out. Like, what am I? I was, I didn't know what to do. I was so frustrated. And uh, last minute, they came through and they paid for it. So uh, I got my knee surgery, and uh, I was laid up for a while. It was hard. It was hard for me to make money. I had that's another thing. The, the the reebok. When I signed the contract, there was no reebok. There was no reebok. So I had sponsors paying me monthly. You know, I was making money. The Reebok thing comes, boom! All the sponsors stop paying me monthly. So here I am making this money. I have this surgery, and all the money stops. I, I, I'm, you know, I had to instead of worrying about focusing on my knee and focusing about getting back into the cage. I'm focusing on, oh man, am I going to be able to hold pads for these guys in, in in three months so that I can make a living, so I can pay my mortgage, so I can live, you know, it's, it, it's funny how things change when you, a different perspective I had through this whole thing. So it was, uh, it was frustrating and you know, that just changed my outlook on everything. God forbid I get to, I take this fight, $26,000, I, I win, I lose, whatever happens, you know, I get, say I get hurt somehow. There's, there's no, I got nothing to, you know, there's uh i I'd have to take off time. To, from my my clients I'd have to take off time with the real estate that I'm learning I'm kind of uh, I'm, I kind of got myself in a groove to stop that to take a fight where I could be you know risking everything it's just, it's just not worth it for the amount of money that they're going to pay me you know I, I would be great It'd be great to say that I fought at the you know Madison Square Garden but you know after a while it's you know you're just saying that there's nothing to show for it and that's you know, that's basically why I took this – that's why I took this stance that I took. And, um, you know, it's a tough one because I'd love to – I'd love to – there's nothing I'd love to do more than to fight at Madison Square Garden. But just, uh, you know, I just – I feel like uh, to, to not even have a negotiation and to – when we – when we you know, the things I heard Joe Silva say to my manager about me when uh, when he asked just to negotiate – you know, F him, F this, you know, who is he to put a price tag on what my life is worth, on what my knee is worth? In a couple of years, you know, I've had two knee surgeries already. I'm, I may have to have another one after, you know, nine more fights. Who knows? I might have to have another one. Am I going to be able to walk? You know, am I, am I going to be able to live an enjoyable life? And for him to say, F you, F this, I'll, I'll cut him. I'll do it. I don't know. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, he, is he retired? I I don't know exactly what he said. It was through my manager, but I heard it wasn't, you know, maybe we didn't see the eye to eye. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm not worth what I am. But for you to F this, F that, you've never stepped in the cage. You don't know what, you know, what what my body feels like after a fight, what my body will feel like down the line. So for 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 a company like the UFC to talk to me like that, to to talk about me like that, it just doesn't sit right with me. And then, you know... I think it could have been resolved a whole different way. I think we could have gone about it a whole different way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Just frustrating. It's frustrating that you know, the, under the situations they are that now it's at Madison Square Garden and now it's so big and, um, but it's something that I got. I got to stay. I got to do this because it's everyone's. I go to a fight and everyone sits around the table. You know. We'll go out to dinner with a bunch of fighters or whatever, and everyone sits around the table and everyone's saying, "Oh man, you know this." It's just it, talking about the, the Reebok deal, talking about how they're losing money, how it's t- tough to get by, flying people to get a per- good training camp. You got to bring people in, you got to pay, you got to do this and that. I flew people in from Gilbert Melendez fight. I flew. I got. You know, he got pulled for what he got pulled for. And here I am, and then they don't give me any of my show money nine days before the fight. Some guys get show money, some don't. For some reason, I didn't. Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough.
2: If the contract remains the way it currently is, are you prepared to not fight
8: again? Yeah. Unless I become like a yeah, no, I'm. You know what? No, and it, even if I did become, it, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it.
2: So so right now you're in, yeah. you're in limbo or in your mind you're off the card and you're just going to sit back and kind of see what happens?
8: If anyone needs to buy, sell or rent property, <laughs> I'm the guy you talk to. That's okay. what I'll be doing, I guess.
2: What do you think it will feel like on November 12th when that event happens? Will you be able to watch it?
8: Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll be cool. I'll be I'll be kind of wishing I was there I'm sure fighting yeah. but I'll be proud of myself that I took this stance and that you know I'm not just going to get walked all over um, you know I yeah I definitely it'll be mixed emotions but it'll be what it is man I'm I'm I'll be proud I'll, I'll be proud of myself and I think there's a lot a lot of people out there that are that are supporting me already I've seen support on Twitter and I know there's fighters that wish they could do what I'm doing they they wish they could they wish they had the balls to do it. They wish they could say, you know what? You know, I'm not know fire- I'm I'm not uh I'm not on the card. It, it, it would be everyone it was a lot of people, oh, you're on the MSG card. And in my back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, uh oh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. But you know what? Is it really worth it? And I don't think it is. I don't think and the other thing is um a bonus, winning a bonus. I can't win a bonus. So I kind of factored that into the whole. Um,
2: Why can't you win a bonus?
8: They took the, they took the bonuses away from me. Uh, before the Gilbert Melendez, it was supposed to be Bobby Green. I was supposed to fight Bobby Green. Yeah. And it was like five or six weeks before that fight, there was a fighter summit in uh, Las Vegas. Yep. And uh, you know, I'm just getting into training camp. I'm just starting to get really, you know, start pushing hard. And I got sick. I was, uh, I was at Wadman's fight. He had a fight somewhere before that, and I come come home from Vegas, and I was, you know, I was, I was feeling sluggish. I wasn't feeling good. Uh, my immune system was run down. Um, so I called the UFC, and I said, you know. Would it be I told them I said I'm, I don't I got this fight coming up I don't feel good I'm sick can I take uh, can is it cool if I stay home and train I'm not getting paid to go out there. in my head I'm thinking I'm not getting paid to go out there I'm gonna get paid to fight you would think they would want me healthy and, and good to fight you know so uh, they said you know what we do these summits every couple of months um, we'll get you you come you know stay home you come to the next one so I was like, all right, cool. A couple of days later, uh, I posted a picture of myself. Not, not, I just posted a picture that I was at the beach. And uh, now the beach is five minutes. I, it's my backyard. I was basically, I was in my backyard. And uh, I get a call, a text message from, from. At the, I didn't know who, I didn't know who Jimmy Jim's, K, James Kimball was at the time. But he texted me and he's like, I thought you were sick. What are you doing at the beach? So I'm like, dude. What, is it? what is it? I felt like I was cutting in class, you know. I'm like, I'm um, listen. I'm I got to fight in five weeks. I don't, I'm I'm relaxing in between training sessions. There's a guy trying to kill me in six weeks. Take, relax. I'll go to the next one. So I get a call the next day from uh, Reed Harris and and Dave Scholler, and they're like, "Well, you know, you can't win a bonus. This is your punishment. You can't win a bonus." Actually no, they, they emailed my manager first and said they can't win a bond. I forget how it happened, but then they you know Dave got a my manager got a conference call with the three of us. I explained everything. I said, listen, I got a fight coming up. I was sick. I went to the beach in between training sessions. That's not going to make me more. It's not going to you know, what does that have to do with anything? And you said that they do these every month. I could go to the next one. Who you know what? I don't understand what the big problem is. And at the end of the phone call, I just you know I laid it all out there, and they were just like, you know what? Nah, punishment still stands. Three fights, you can't win a bonus. Three fights, no bonus. So I'm like, three fights, no bonus. That could be no. It's potentially 150 or even more thousand dollars, and you're gonna take that away from me because I missed. They said it was a uh, you know a three strike rule. I guess there's now there's a three strike rule. They, basically, you know. There was no dupe. There was no dupe. I didn't go before a committee. I didn't go before. I didn't get to explain my case. It was just like, you know, you got loud with James Kimball because he reprimanded you about going to the beach. So now you can't win a, bo- a bonus for three fights. And that really stuck with me. It was just that that was. I don't know that that they could do that really was just it. Uh, I don't know, disgusted me. It was like, what? why do I even? Why, why do I even want to do this? Do I even want, really want to do this anymore? You know?
2: Mm. Um, as you know, Al, the topic of a fighters association is very much in the news. Do you feel like that would, if that was in place, something like that in place, that would have helped you in these cases where there's someone supporting you? There's, you know, there's, there's, there's some kind of backing here and there's there's a there's sort of an agreement in place that, yeah, okay, you, you could have known about a three-strike rule, you could have known about this, you know, not just some, some sort of arbitrary punishment that comes out of nowhere.
8: No, of course, yeah. I mean, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be some representation for the fighters. There's really not, you know, there's not, there's not uh You saw so what happened, I, you know, if they don't like you, they could do whatever. Yeah. So... Um,
2: Would you like to get released
8: No I, I, li- I love fighting for the UFC I love fighting for uh, you know it's the best organization in the world with the best fighters in the world um, There's nothing I enjoyed more than, than fighting you know when I, when I, when I hurt my knee and I thought that I thought my career was over I was uh, you know it was that was a hard hard time for me because I, I do I love there's nothing I like more than fighting but there's there's nothing i like more than than standing up for what i think's right yeah. and what uh what i think i've earned you know i've earned more than that i've earned more than just a, i've earned a discussion you know i've earned a discussion i've earned the right to ask and not be cursed at and um, you know put down you know i feel like i feel like me them paying for my knee surgery was almost like a you know like a gift like they should like they went above and beyond to pay for it where it's like i hurt myself fighting for not a lot of money you know it's like i was fighting back then i was i fought on the ultimate fighter to get to to you know get to the ufc where you're going to make all that money in the ufc and then i get to the ufc and it's like i'm still fighting for to make that, to get that next contract where that next contract is awesome. And then, uh, you know, I fight, I beat, freaking I beat Ross Pearson. I bought, I beat, uh, Joe Lazon who are, you know, tough. these guys are tough guys. You know, these are big name guys in the UFC. And I'm like, wow, I made it. I did it. We're going to renegotiate and I'm going to make money. And then they come back with what they came back with. And I was like, Oh shit, that's nowhere near what I thought I was going to be making. And, it's the same thing. It's you know what you should just sign the contract, stay in the good graces of the UFC, and win three more fights. You you know or win four more fights, and then you sign the big one. But it's like I you know in a perfect world I would have done that. You know I would have done that two years ago. Right. But I got injured, and before that too. So it's you're not getting paid on what you do. You're getting paid on what you can do. And for a lot of guys, that doesn't happen. They never reach that point. You know, I still plan on reaching that point. I will reach that point. Uh, I was minus 250. I saw uh, online against uh, against Tiago Alves uh, his, you know, it's that's a fight that can put me right up there in title contention. I freaking whoop on this guy in, in my backyard in New York City. He's freaking look like popsicle sticks at 155 five. I'm freaking uh, Boom. I'm right there. But I'm not gonna do it for freaking pennies. I'm not. I'm gonna be famous in New York, and I'm gonna be driving around in a freaking '05 Nissan. What are you nuts? I got pulled over. I was. I pulled over to to, to text the other day. I'm texting someone, so I pulled the. I pulled my car over in Wanto, and it, I guess some people know me from the fight. They watch the fights and stuff. And the pizza guy was driving by, and the pizza guy pulls down. and He goes, "Yo, hey Quinto, what's up, bro?" I'm like, "Hey, what's up, man?" He goes. He goes, yo, you're you're an animal. He goes, dude, you should be driving a nicer car than this, man. You should be driving a. You're a, you're a, you're a hard man. You you got heart. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, oh, th- thanks, man. All right, uh, Is that, all right. Like, what the hell do you say to that? Sure. And you, you know. So are you, are I don't you, know, man.
2: Are you hoping that coming out and talking about this today will get them to? rethink their stance and offer you a better deal like in your mind is 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 the dream dead for now msg returning in november coming back from the search are you hopeful that this will be the end result after today's you know today's discussion you know you coming out and talking about all this
8: you know i didn't really i don't even i'm not even really even thinking about that okay i'm just i i don't see from from where i just don't even care anymore i thought like like when they weren't gonna pay for my surgery, I thought my career was over. So I made terms with that at that time, you know. So I'm like a guy I just really don't even care, you know. I would love it. I could take it or leave it. Um, it's it, that it is what it is. I love to fight in Madison Square Garden. It doesn't seem like they want any want to negotiate at all. So I you know I'm not gonna sit and cry about it. I'm gonna move on with my life if if there is a negotiation that's great we can talk about it but i'm not banking on that by no means so
2: i don't know how much you pay attention to this stuff and i'm not putting anyone else on blast but it does feel like the fighters not really in unison in in and in independently are sort of striking and coming to the realization after the sale of the UFC that, wait a second, we are very much underpaid here and we deserve to make more, especially when you hear how much other people in the company have made as a result of the sale. Do you feel like that's happening? Do you talk to your peers? And are you all starting to realize that for the last few years, you probably should have been making a hell of a lot more than you were making?
8: Nah, we all, everyone knew that. Everyone knew it. We used to sit around. Like I said, I'd go to the fights, and everyone's everyone sits around the table, and it's just like depressing. It's like, blah blah blah. They like, go, "Oh, I'm not getting this. Oh I can't believe now we're not getting sponsorships. I can't believe now they're gonna do this to me. I can't believe I'm not." And no one does anything. Yeah. So, so nothing's gonna get done. I don't know.
2: So it's time. Everyone to do just something.
8: takes. They, everyone just takes what they can get, and hopes that they'll win three fights. Hopes they'll knock everyone out. Hopes that the UFC is going to like them, and then they'll be able to sign that new contract. And when they sign the new contract, it's going to be all all good. But that very very rarely happens to a lot of guys. And there's a lot of guys who are very they're very beat up. They're they're you know they're struggling, and it you know, and it's it's tough. So. Um, I understand. You know, people. A lot of people, they have families, they have kids, and they have to fight for the money. But I'm—I don't have to do that. I don't have any of those things right now. So, you know, I'll be—I I'll, honestly, if—if if, um, I'd be happy just to—I'm—I'm I'm cool with just like moving to by the beach and just chilling on, you know, on the side. That's all. I—that's all I need. Mm. You know, I don't need a lot. You know, I don't have the kids. I don't have the family, so I can I can afford to take this stance. Um, so, that's what it is, you know.
2: And to sort of put a bow on everything here, um, I, I kind of was joking a bit about the real estate stuff, but I do one hundred percent, you know, hope that it works out and support you. That's the reason why you're doing this, right? I mean, you'd rather be in the gym, you'd rather be preparing for big prize fights. You don't necessarily want to be a real estate agent at this juncture of your career, but you. Is it fair to say that you feel like you have to, in order to support yourself?
8: Oh no, for sure. Yeah, I, got, I mean, I gotta think. You know, when I when when uh, I went back to school, when I first right when right after I had the knee surgery, I was like, you know, I, I uh, it was you know last, what is it the full uh, spring semester? I went back to, I went back to freaking college, and I was. That was just not for me. You know, I, I was thinking I got to do, you know, I got to figure out something because this fighting, you know, it's good, but it doesn't seem like the UFC likes me very much. It doesn't seem like, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not one to just cower down and be like, please, please just give me scraps, you know. Um, so I got to figure out something, you know, I got to figure out what I'm gonna, you know, what I like to do and uh, real estate's one of the things that you can do for, It's a lifelong thing. You know, there's, you know, 75, 80 year old people that are selling real estate. So one day I'll be, uh, an old 75 year old man hobbling around on, on freaking half a knee that I have and whatever I'll be, uh, I'll be doing that. So
2: I hope it doesn't, uh, it end like this. I, 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 I mean, you're, you're, you're too good. You're too young. Too much potential, as far as fighting is concerned for it to end like this, I sincerely hope that something is resolved and that you get what you are you are owed and what you deserve, and that we will see you in New York. I don't think it's going to be the same without you, my man. It really won't We need to it have Ranger out there. It won't be the same. It will be a sad day. This is kind of
8: yeah, this is going to get all freaking easy. I'll tell you that
2: yeah. But- well, hopefully not. There's still time to spare. Well, one last thing: Will you guys reach out anymore, or is it kind of? Are you just gonna move along? And if they want to reach out, they can reach out. It's done, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, All right. we're
8: gonna reach out, and get, get the the f bombs thrown at us. So I'm not oh. that guy.
2: Yeah. Well, I respect you, man. Much respect. Thanks. Matt. Good luck to you, uh, and you always have a home here. Hey. Yeah. Give props to those that's who are the, supporting you.
8: That's the one right there. American ethanol hashtag more than a fighter I gotta you know they stuck by me a lot so shout out to them
2: all right all the best to uh, Alan and please keep us posted on this if something changes for the better and hopefully not for the worse but please do keep us posted and where can people where can people reach you if they want to buy real estate from you give us a plug
8: you can call me my number <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> uh, face facebook dot com slash Raging Al Realty.
2: There it is. There Or hit me
8: up on Twitter at Ally Quinta. All
2: right. All the best to you, Al. Thank you very much for coming on today.
8: Thanks, Ari. I appreciate it, man.
2: There he is, Ally Quinta. Still very much one of the very best fighters in the UFC's lightweight division. One of the very best fighters in the UFC. Uh, A sad sad sight to see him sitting there when he should be training, when he should be preparing for the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, Man, it, it, it does certainly feel like the winds are changing here and, and, and things, a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And and a lot of fighters coming to the realization that, Hey, we should probably be getting a lot more, uh, especially coming off the sale of the UFC. And, it appears as though Ally Quinta had that epiphany and hopefully cooler heads prevail and that they can figure this out because it, it will not be the same without him on November 12th. I can assure you of that. Uh, okay, let's, let's move along now and, uh, and talk to our next guest. He was the big winner on Saturday night in Hidalgo, Texas. He knocked out Dustin Poirier. There was some, some fireworks before the fight, during the fight, after the fight. But boy, a lot of people are talking about Michael Johnson now, and I do believe he is making his MMA hour debut. What took us so long? I have no idea, but he is joining <laughs> us right now on the phone. Michael, are you there?
9: I am here. I am here. Thank you. Feels good to debut finally. Yes.
2: What happened? G- g- Give me crap. Give me crap. It took us. It took us a minute. And, and 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 you and you noticed, and you're pissed off. Is that accurate?
9: I'm not. I'm not pissed off. Okay. But a little. A, a little disappointed. You know, earlier I thought. Uh, Thought so we were on the same page, but now I guess I just got to go out here and do what I did Saturday night, and then everything will start rolling, and I'll get what I deserve. So it's all coming along. So.
3: Well,
2: it, it was a very big win for you. It was a very important win because you were talking going into that fight like your back was against the wall, that you needed to win, that this was a must-win situation for you. When, when you say all that stuff, and I heard I heard you on Brian Stan's radio show on Tuesday, and I thought that you were very honest and open about your your – your life and, and the state of, of of your you know, your financial situation, all that. What do you mean when you say my back was against the wall that this was do or die?
9: Well, you know, uh, coming off a, a one controversial loss and then another really close loss, that's that's two in a row right there. For me, yeah. and you know how how it is in the UFC and you know, you don't want to be on the other end of a cutting block and see how you know, I many I just lost three in a row or like I really need this money and I got things to pay for and I got bills that are backed up. And I just came off this long layoff. So I felt like I was fighting more than just in that fight. And, um, and I think it showed that I was fighting for a lot more.
2: Did you feel that pressure? Were you getting a little more nervous in the in the days and hours before the fight, given how much was on your shoulders?
9: No, and and that's the thing. I, I didn't feel any pressure at all. Um, you know, I knew me and my team put me through an amazing camp, and I, I just knew everything was cooking on all cylinders. And I was relaxed and focused, and um, I, I was just ready for war that night. And that's going to continue to be my style the whole way through my career. Now,
2: how how desperate were you in terms of finances? I mean, uh, I, again, I was listening to your interview with Brian, and it seemed like you you were in you were in some kind of trouble. Is that accurate? Well, not
9: not necessarily like trouble, but you know, I mean, it, it, it's just that you know when bills get backed up, and you haven't fought in a while, and um, and it's things like that. You know, things need to get paid for. and You need to get, you know, so I mean, I mean, places need to be bought. You know, I need to find a new place to live now, and everything like this in Florida. So um, I was just in the process of moving in the middle of my camp and everything like that. So it was a real rough camp. I was dealing with a lot. Um, kind of hard to make ends meet at some points and you know where you're having to borrow money from friends and then you gotta so it it was really tough on me and um and us as fighters you know we're real proud proud group of guys and um it kind of does something to a to a fighter when we have to reach out and seem like we're we're needing more help than what it
3: seems
2: i i also heard that you said that your your personal life wasn't wasn't great at the time is that accurate
9: no, I don't I mean my personal life has always been my personal life, you know. Um everything was great. You know, I, I think uh, I think what you just heard me say, I didn't really have like the the loving like like life that Dustin went back to okay you know, after his camps, you know, like yeah, like I, I would go in the gym, I would go home and, and sleep and relax or, or, or you know, some things like that. You know, I didn't go home to so like a loving family and a loving wife
2: like that. Right. So. Do you want that?
9: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I would love that. And, um, you know, when the time comes, the time comes. But, you know, um, things happen for a reason and things go on and, and we live. But, um, you know, I, I'm in a great place right now, and then especially after this win. And uh, I, I just know what I need to do and I need to focus on. Um,
2: was there any previous history between you and Dustin? Because it, it definitely seemed as things started to, you know, ramp up, towards the ceremonial weigh-in on Friday, that there was there, there was some heat there. And I know that's always the case. You're about to fight another man. I mean, there's a lot of emotion involved. But was this ever personal between you two?
9: You know, I didn't think it was personal until I heard the, all the bullshit that he was saying about me. Um, you know, uh, really, like, downgrading my skills. I'm an average fighter. I'm not great in this way. I mean, I get trash talking, but at the same time, like, I've been around Dustin before. We've hung out. You we know, we, we've we been in the same areas. I mean, we live 20 minutes away from each other. So, um, you know, to be... I thought it was pretty much cool between me and Dustin and to hear him talking shit about me, that just shows uh, really fake and yeah, I didn't really like that and I didn't really take kind of that.
2: And, and then you go into the fight and, wow, I mean, you've had some great performances in the UFC and this one was rather short, but is it fair to call this one your best performance?
9: Um you know it was one of my best performances actually I I think I've had some uh, some great performances but yeah. it was definitely um I wouldn't say it was my best performance. I would say it was my biggest statement. Okay. Up to this point, you know, I definitely think this was a win where I needed to go in here and remind people how dangerous I am and how dangerous I can be, and that's exactly what I had to do.
2: Um, and, and then, of course, there's been a lot of talk about your sort of post fight celebration. What did you say to him when he was out?
9: I said, "Fuck you!" When you, when out. I mean, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, everybody heard what I said, and it, I was really emotional after the fight. But um, I, I, I don't regret what I did. I apologize to him after that, but at the same time, I felt disrespected. And um, you know, who, who's to say I was in the wrong for doing what I did? You know. It's okay for him to talk trash and talk shit before the fight and push me in my face at the weigh-ins, try to poke my damn eye out, but I stand over here after I knocked him out, and now all of a sudden, that's a bad thing to do. They're kind of, you know, it's a little hypocritical.
2: Yeah. So, so why apologize if you don't regret it?
9: Because I can see how it kind of went. You know, I think I did take a little overboard with, you know, fuck you and fuck him and, um... I'm not that type of person, you know, so I, I could see like his, the look in his eyes and I said, man, I just knocked you out. I just, I just did what I did. I'm going to go ahead and apologize and just kind of brush things over. You know, okay. I don't want to, you know, I, it was, it was more of, a, I'm gonna apologize to brush things over. It, it was in that aspect. You know, I don't want to go on, you know, and, and have a bad blood, bad relationship with this guy just cause we fought and things like that. And um, so I had to apologize and just try to, you know, make it a little bit right. So, and, and it was showing more respect. Sure. After than, than after
2: that. Did he accept your apology?
9: Yeah, absolutely. He he accepted it, and, uh, and we exchanged a few words in the cage, and um. You know, we we still have a mutual respect for each other, but I think that's as far as it's going to go now.
2: What's it like when you have so much emotion? You're you're so you're so amped. There's a lot of adrenaline, and the fight only lasts what 95 seconds. When you get to the <laughs> back, are you able to come down, or do you need to go for a run? do You need to get it out because I feel like you still had a lot more left in you.
9: I did. I had a lot more left in me. I tell you, man, I was ready to fight 30 minutes. <laughs> and You know, yeah, I, I was ready, and this was going to be my night, regardless, and um. Yeah, I still had a lot left in me, and I went and hung out with all my friends and family. And I think I started wrestling, wrestling with my friends in the hotel rooms all night, you know, just because I was still worked up. And I was like, Nah, I don't feel like I I did enough yet. I I still want to fight. And you know, I'm wrestling around with my buddies and everything like that. But you know, now now I'm cool and relaxed, and I'm just, hey, it's right back in the gym. You know, I got to carry this momentum.
2: Uh, I saw, I think it was on your Instagram, uh, you posted a picture of some pizza that your family brought you, and uh, I'm a big lover of pizza. Tell me about this pizza, because uh, it it was fascinating to me that you were so excited to have this slice of pizza.
9: It's Emo's. I I don't know if you've ever been to St. Louis, but I think this is the only place you can get it, and it's like they call it the Square Beyond Compare, but you know, it's some of the best pizza I've had. I think it's the best. So every time they come to my fights, you know I can't go home that often. I'm in Florida. I'm training, so um, I mean they they just rally up everything. I all the food I want from St. Louis, and they bring it. So they they brought me White Castle burgers <laughs> and my Emos pizza, which is my favorite. And um, you know it was a great celebratory dinner.
2: Well, what's on the pizza? What are the toppings?
9: Sausage, bacon, and jalapenos.
2: Damn. That is an interesting...
9: I I, I will have one for you, my next fight. Okay,
2: I appreciate that. Um, You know, it's interesting. This year, one of the big stories, of course, Nate Diaz and his rise to prominence and the big fights and all that stuff. Um, And the interesting sort of footnote to it all is that you know it it kind of all kicked off with your fight and him going on the mic. And you had to hear that, I'm sure, over and over again, that promo of him talking about Conor and all that stuff. How much did that piss you off? Just being a part of that, but you're sort of the forgotten figure because he's doing it after he beat you.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It it didn't really piss me off. It just rubbed me the wrong way because I felt like a stepping stone. You know, I was like, shit, I was like, he just, Beat me, and now, he, now he's fighting for this amount of money. He's getting all this fame now. But um, Nate's been around for a while, man. He, he's one of the vendors of the sport, and he, uh, he deserves everything he's getting right now. You know, my hat's off to him. And, uh, and it's good to see these guys succeed the way they are. Now, with that being said, I want my rematch. You know, I want my money. And I, want, I want these big money fights. And, uh, you know, I'm here to show the world that uh, I'm not to be joked around with in this division.
2: Hmm. so when you when you heard about how much he made for those two fights what was your reaction
9: i was happy for him i, I was a little pissed off because uh, i felt like it was just a lost focus in our fight and that almost feels like man that shit i mean that could have been me that should have been me in that fight making that amount of money and who knows what would have happened to my life and my career right now so um you know, that that's one of the things that I always said uh, leading up into this fight, that everybody gets their turn, everybody gets their chance to shine. It's just when it's my turn, you know, I'm going to do more than shock the world. I'm going to crush it. And, you know, I think I'm on a pretty good uh, path to that right now.
2: In, in hindsight, what went wrong that night against Nate? Because that, that's not the same fighter that we saw on Saturday. It just seemed like you can never get going. Why do you think that is?
9: You know, I, I lost focus a little bit. Um... And Nate was long. I, I didn't expect him to be that long, you know. And um, and I always say I, I didn't expect him to come in to that fight in that greatest shape and, and that ready to fight, you know. Um, I under, I underestimated him a little bit, and that's a huge mistake on my part. And, um, and I better never happen again. But you know, like I said, he's one of the best in the world for a reason. And um, you know, I was just off a little bit that night, but we're doing everything we can to do uh, to not let that happen again. And it's important that I stay focused through my whole fight and through my whole training camp.
2: Saturday was your first victory since February of 2015. I know the Darius fight was somewhat controversial, and, and I think I know that, that you thought you won the fight, but just to get that victory again, that feeling of being called the victor and having your hand raised—what did it feel like?
9: I felt great, man. I felt um, being on top of the world, and you know, especially seeing you know my uh, teammate. And Frenchad Skelly pull out that submission, and then see the co main event get a get a win like that, and I just felt like, yeah, you know, I looked at my corner. And I told him I was like, listen, I was like, we're ready to go now. I was like, these guys are getting big wins now. It's my turn to go out here and then put a stamp on this night, and uh, and get a great win. So it, it felt amazing, man. It felt, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, this is the feeling that I need to continue. In this sport, this is why I do this to have this feeling. Yeah. And um, it it just keeps
2: me going. Yeah. Kind of like a drug, right? In in a way, like that, you you keep searching for that high?
9: Absolutely. It it is like a drug. And I'm addicted 100%. And no, I do not need to go to rehab classes or anything (laughs) like that. Like, this is a a drug that that I'm uh, okay with this addiction. I'm uh, addicted to progressing and getting better every day and uh, seeing what my future holds.
2: So so how does Michael Johnson get on track and, and be consistent? You had that you had that four-fight winning streak and then the Dariush fight snapped it and then, of course, the Nate Diaz fight. But how does Michael Johnson go on like a five, six, seven-fight winning streak to get the title shot, to get what you are searching for, the big money fights? What needs to be done and what needs to be changed before the fight in order to get that, in your opinion?
9: Um, it's me not thinking I'm better than what I am. You know, it, it's me realizing the things I need to work on and the things I need to get better at, and it's me just staying focused. Um, You know, I think a big mistake that Dustin made in this fight was um, he made a statement that said he he feels untouchable. I learned that the hard way. I I felt untouchable at one point in my career. Miles Jury beat my ass for three rounds. And, um, you know, I I would never resort to feeling untouchable again. So as long as I'm staying focused, staying on point, having great training camps, uh, taking care of my body, like I said, these surgeries were uh, were huge, but I got them all fixed, and I'm healthy now. And I just feel great. And like that, that feels good for me to go into a camp being healthy. You know, I haven't had a healthy camp in two years. Wow. and I was just excited. I was just excited to show up to the gym. I was excited to train, to get beat up, to beat some people up, and uh, have a great
2: performance. Um, and and you know, like when you when you see the rest of the lightweight division, and it seems like all of a sudden everyone, you what would we have? Anthony Pettis. Um. who else called you out I feel like I saw like three four people call yeah, you out Will,
3: uh, Will, uh, Will, 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 Will Brooks. Brooks said
2: something yeah what was yeah. up with that Will Brooks was really coming at you is he pissed at you or something I know right I, I mean
9: he has every right to be that was his teammate mm-hmm. and uh, he he might have felt a little disrespected but hey uh, Will might want to worry about his fight he's got coming up before he um, yeah. loses focus on that you know I think he's got something more important to worry about
2: okay so which of the options out there do you like best for you next
9: um, like I said, I want the big fights. I want a fight that's going to set me up to um, fight for the title here pretty soon. So whether it be Khabib, if he's not fighting for the title, um, if Nate decides that he wants to fight before you know his kind of trilogy, I'd love to get my rematch with him um, and, and just anybody else at the top of the division. And if none of those top guys want to fight, then, hey, I, I'm available to fight. You know, <laughs> this I'm healthy, I'm good, and I, it's all about making some money right now. So.
2: Yeah, and even Anthony Pettis, who dropped down to 145, seemed to be interested in you.
9: Yeah, which is funny. I mean, I I like Pettis. I I got nothing against him, but um, it's so funny. I called him out not too long ago. He went to 45, and now all of a sudden he's calling me out. So I I don't know. I'm definitely not going to 45 right now, but um, I would fight him no problem, no problem at all. He's a former champ. He's a great competitor, and that would be a huge win under my uh, belt.
2: It's amazing how, you know, you're kind of out and you're out of sight, out of mind, and then all of a sudden you get this big win and you're the bell of the ball and everyone wants to fight you and everyone calls you out, right?
9: Yeah, absolutely. It's so weird. That's one of the crazy things about this sport is you. Um, all it takes is one big fight and that's it. You know, all it takes is one big punch or anything like that and it will just change the dynamic of everything. And uh, I think I shook up this division Pretty good Saturday night, and uh, I definitely uh, got a lot of eyes open.
2: And, and and now you feel like you can exhale a little bit. You can you can rest a little easier now that you got some money and that you're back on track.
9: Yeah, and that's the important part, man. Uh, I can I can rest and not have to stress about little money problems, and I can just uh, focus on what's important, and that's training and getting better and,
3: right.
9: uh, and and building and building for my future, man. So so you know it feels great. I'm in a great place in a great state of mind. Uh, I'm ready to continue the success.
2: All right. Well, I wish you continued success. Great to have you on the show, Michael. Congratulations. And, and, and thanks for squeezing us in. I know you're at the airport now about to go back home. So thank you for squeezing us in before you board that flight. We appreciate it.
9: Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I definitely uh, don't stay away so w- much next time. I will. Keep in contact.
2: I will for sure. I will for sure. All the best to you, Michael. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. There he is, Michael Johnson. Big win for him on Saturday night. Against Dustin Poirier. And wow, what a difference a few months make for Michael Johnson as he knocks out Poirier on Saturday, coming off that loss to Nate Diaz in December, sort of a forgotten figure in that lightweight division. And then boom, reappears in Hidalgo, Texas on FS1. And now everyone's talking about him again. Now everyone wants to fight him. Interesting stuff. Okay, let us move along now. Very, very, very excited to talk to our next guest. Why? Well, he may not be a household name here in North America just yet, but if you're a mixed martial arts fan from across the pond, by now you have surely heard of Paddy the Batty Pimblett. He is the Cage Warriors featherweight champion. He is coming off a very impressive, also. 95 second win last weekend, not this past Saturday, Saturday before, in which he won the Cage Warriors featherweight champion. And ever since he won that fight, and if I'm being honest, starting a few months back, I have been terrorized by fans of his on Twitter to tell me, you better get Patty the Batty on the show. Every time I tweet about this show, every time I tweet anything, when are you going to get Paddy the Batty on the show? And if I'm being honest, and I know he doesn't love the comparisons, the last time this happened to this degree about a fighter who wasn't in the UFC was Conor McGregor three years ago, three and a half years ago. I swear it was reminiscent. And so I said, I got to get Paddy the Batty on the show. So now let us go to the magic of Skype and welcome in Liverpool's own Patty Pimlet. How are you, my friend? Thank you for coming on.
10: How are you, Ariel? It's my pleasure. Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, what is life like for you since winning the belt in Liverpool, no less? Getting that amazing ovation. You're celebrating everywhere. What has life been like for you since that fight?
10: Well, it was brilliant. You know what I mean? I got to uh, become a world champion in front of all my home fans, everyone who's believed in me all the way. It's been. It was amazing, to be honest. The atmosphere there was unbelievable. And... Even now, when I'm walking around the city or I'm doing anything, I keep getting mobbed and asked for photos and stuff like that, it's it's unbelievable to be honest.
2: Do you like getting noticed? Do You like being a local celebrity?
10: Uh, I don't mind. You know what I mean? Like I've said it before. I'll, I, I'm only 21, and um, it's 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 crazy. But I'll never turn a photo down with anyone. I know I've got like another 20, 30 years to be getting photos uh-huh. with people, so I need to get used to it.
2: Okay, so now here's the fascinating thing. As you mentioned, you're only 21 years old, yet you seem to have this amazing connection with your fans. They are supporting you. Like I said, they're, they're hounding me to get you on the show. They're hounding the UFC to sign you. Why do you think that there's this connection so early on in your career? Uh,
10: I don't know. To be honest, it's just I'm, I'm likable. I think that's what it is. I'm, just, I'm a nice guy, you know what I mean? I get called the baddie, but I'm just a nice guy to be honest. I, I all my fans believe in me because I do it for them. Know what I mean? And I believe in them. I they they give me even more belief when I'm saying and when I'm fighting. Like the other the other night on last Saturday, no one could have beat me. You could have put anyone in that cage with me, and no one and no one could have stopped me from getting that win. There was there was no way.
2: What does the baddie mean?
10: Uh, I don't know, it, it hasn't really got a meaning my coach Paul Rimmer just gave me a, 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 on my fourth amateur fight me coach, one of the announcers come back and said um, what's your nickname? and I, I just told him I haven't got one and then my coach said no, his name's Paddy the Baddy and then ever ever since then it's just stuck with me
2: Okay, so you made your amateur debut around five years ago. Your pro debut around four years ago, and so that's sixteen, seventeen years old. Why did you get into MMA fighting so young? Did you not want to go to school, have a job, do something like like you knew right away that this is what you wanted to do?
10: Yeah, when I, I first started training, when I was fifteen, and I'd just turned fifteen, and like it's mad as soon as I come in, and as soon as I'd done some jujitsu and some stuff like that, I just knew that it was what I was meant to do. To be honest. I just knew, I don't know why, but I just knew it was what I was meant to do. It was I was half good in school, like academically, I knew what I was doing with everything, but it never like pulled me in or dragged me towards it. As soon as I'd done some MMA, it just made me want to do it more and made me want to go to the gym every day and learn new stuff.
2: How did you end up at the school, you know, to learn jujitsu? Like, were, were you a big MMA fan? Did you watch the UFC on television? How did you end up there?
10: Uh, no what to be honest the first UFC that I watched was I seen it on the UFC actually today it was six years ago today the fight was seven years ago today Rich Franklin versus Vitor Belfort oh, when yeah. Belfort knocked him out in the first yep. and um, I enjoyed it that much that I went for a jog after it at 5.30 in the morning over here and from then on I just wanted to do it and then I went to the gym and I just caught on to everything straight away it's like I've always been competitive at everything I do so it's just so unlike it, it. It proper pulled me in. And made, it made me want to fight.
2: That's right. Uh, UFC 103 in Texas. Rich Frank. Yeah,
10: 103 it was.
2: Uh, and and as you mentioned, that's like 5 AM where you live in England. How did you end up? You know, if you if you have no knowledge of the UFC, you're not a fan of the UFC. How do you end up watching that show at such a crazy time?
10: Uh, one of my friends told me about it uh, in school. The lad that I grew up with. um... He just said to me one day. I think it was UFC one ninety nine, Wanderley vs Franklin. Yeah. Uh, he watched that and I can remember him showing me clips of it and stuff like that. And then someone else showed me UFC one hundred, and then I just decided to watch it that night because I was up. Wow. And from then on, that that was it. It just it got me.
2: And when you told your parents that this is what you want to do, what did they say?
10: Um, well, at first it was just saying it was just a hobby, and then when I left school my mum made me join college and, like, go to sixth form and carry on t- t- carry on learning. But um, I just got a... I found a college that was close to the gym so that I could still go to the gym every day. I was skipping some classes so that I could go to the gym the morning and spar and stuff like that. And then, in the end, I ended up just leaving that after a year. And then my, my mum was... Like, my dad wasn't so much on my case, but my mum was, uh, you need to get a job, you need to get something that'll that you can learn from, you can't earn from that. And I can never just tell them, no, my I'm going to learn from it, don't worry, I'm going to go pro, everything will be sand." And up until I was like, 3 old pro, she was still saying the same thing. And then, I got signed by Cage Warriors and everything oh. just changed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you making good and money then, now? Then, uh, it's alright money, but I've got announcement, an, an announcement coming soon over the next few days where um, everyone will be interested in and a uh, because I've signed something with a certain organisation, I can't say just yet. But I'm going to be getting great money, and it's in my best interests. And I just can't wait to move forward.
2: Well, I've seen online that you have some big news. Is this what you're referring to?
10: Yeah, yeah. There's a big, big contact news coming up of Sam with an organisation, but I just can't say who. Yeah. Uh,
2: does Does the name of this organisation rhyme with Blue, Def T? I
10: can't say. <laughs> Um, okay. I can't say, just, yeah.
2: Okay, what was was your goal, Patty, to get the Cage Warriors title, which has propelled a lot of fighters into the UFC? Okay, let me get this belt, and then I'll and then I'll get that push that I need to finally get in there. Did you feel like you needed to win the belt in order to get that attention?
10: Uh, no, to be honest, <laughs> being I think I've had more attention than any of the former uh, Cage Warriors champions, even without the belt. I've had any more attention than any of them. Uh, the fight wasn't originally scheduled to be for the belt until Alex Enlon got signed, so I didn't really think I needed the belt. But I'm glad I've got that that gold. Rami wasted it. It's a nice feeling, and uh, you never know. I could be defending the cage warrior's he is Oh, no one knows just yet.
2: <laughs> uh, w- whatever this deal is, is it is it a fi- is it signed, sealed? Is is it done? Whatever, and you're just waiting for the announcement.
10: Yeah, all sorted.
2: Well, there's no better time than now. The floor is yours. Why don't you tell the world?
10: I can't just, yeah. You're not going to get it out of me, Ariel. Don't worry about that. Up.
2: All right, fair enough. Um, I know you're often asked about Connor and the comparisons, you know, they're right there, the same division, same organization and whatnot. I even said that, you know, people, the last time they were bugging me this much to have someone outside of the UFC on the show was Connor. How do you feel when you are, considering what he's done in the UFC, how do you feel when you are compared to him?
10: Obviously, it's great because people see how good he is and they see that I can become that good. But at the same time, I don't like it because I am my own man. No one showed me no route to do this. Even when I was 17, 18, I was, I was telling people that I'm going to be two-weight world champion in the UFC anyway. And like the comparisons to him are nice at the same time, but the horrible at the same time, it, it does me head because I'm me, know what I mean? I'm not Conor McGregor. I'm not nowhere MMA. I'm like no MMA fighter you've ever seen. He said he was here to take over. Well, I'm here to conquer.
2: So when you say that, unlike any other fighter that we've ever seen, I mean, why is that? Explain why why you're unlike anyone.
10: Have you seen these pretty boy good looks? <laughs> hey, have you seen these? Yes. And 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 what happens in the cage? You just don't see what happens in the cage apart from when I'm in there. I do stuff in there that no one else can do, you know what I mean? I'm an entertainer. I put a show on for my fans. Do you feel like there's not... Oh, and off the microphone as well.
2: Right, right. Uh, do you feel like there's not enough of that in MMA, that people don't understand the entertainment aspect of it and, and sometimes are boring on the microphone, don't sell themselves enough?
10: Yeah, you know what I mean? You've got you've to be yourself in there. So too many fighters go in there and put an act on and try and be someone that they're not. And, and I hate that person, you know what I mean? Just go in there and be yourself. Yeah. You go in there and be yourself, everyone.
2: I think someone is calling Patty right now. This usually happens when someone calls someone on Skype when they are on Skype. Oh, there he is.
10: What's up on there?
2: Yeah, did someone call you? You're back.
10: Yeah, someone rang me, someone yeah. rang me.
2: <laughs> a little glitch. Oh, no good. Um, are you familiar with a guy by the name of Kerry Von Eric?
10: Uh, no, none of the top of my head, no.
2: Kerry Von Erich, I want you to uh, Google this this man afterwards, was a legendary pro wrestler, and he had hair just like yours. And he was known as the Texas Tornado. He was an amazing wrestler. And he would get on the mic, and he was very excited. And you remind me a lot of Kerry Von Erich, and that is a great compliment. Uh, he is no longer with us, but you, you are kind of like, the, with the hair, the shaggy hair... You remind me a different accent, of course, but you are Kerry Von Eric when I when I look at you. So I'm wondering, did you grow up a pro wrestling fan, and is that where you got kind of your style of talking on the microphone and all that? To be
10: honest, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, grew, I, I grew up watching wrestling. My favorite wrestler was sure Michaels, the half kid. All right. So uh, yeah, and I know I know what you mean. It could have come from that subconsciously. It could it could be from. Me days when I was like eight and nine, staying up to late to watch that, and not staying up late to to watch the UFC. It could it could be something to do with that.
2: Yeah, and Shawn Michaels was known as the Showstopper, and he had a the exactly. dramatic. So that's where you get some of it, right?
10: Yeah,
2: defo, <laughs> defo. I like that. Um, what about the uh, Sakuraba shorts that you were wearing in your fight last weekend? Why did you do that?
10: Um, well, I'm sponsored by Scramble uh, Scramble brand, and. Um, they sent me a few pairs of shorts before my fight, and I, I'd wore their purple ones previously. And uh, the the orange ones came, and I just like the look of them. They look boss. That, oh, uh, yeah. They make you stand out yeah. as well, you know what I mean? Orange and white. and I'm a bit of I'm, I'm a bit loose, just like Sacharaba was, so it, it, it was a nice fit, to be honest.
2: And from what I understand, the knock on you was that maybe you didn't have enough knockout power. Did you feel like you wanted to, to put that statement on? that statement victory, say, look, you know, you could talk about my ground game, but I will knock you out as well. Was that a conscious decision and effort on your part?
10: Uh, yeah, and I'll be honest. For a few fights, I've wanted to, to show me striking a lot more. In the fight with Ashley Grimshaw, I wanted to show me striking a lot more because he was more of a grappler. But when I ended up on the ground with him, it was just so easy to keep control of him on the ground. I thought I'm not standing up with him because anyone can c- catch anyone with a big over on right and anyone can knock anyone out. So I just grappled and then the same happened with Teddy Violet. It was so easy when I got on the floor, but last Saturday I didn't even get a chance to go on the floor with him. I'd done the sloppiest takedown that I've ever done in my life and it was shaking my head I wasn't happy with myself and then stood up and the first punch, what landed after it, put him down. So I think it was because it was a bit bit pissed off with myself before it that I landed that one even even sweeter
2: <laughs> and then you, you celebrate by jumping into the crowd who were those people that you, you celebrated with were they just random people or they're,
10: all, they're, they're all my mates and uh, I other know, I know random people as well know <laughs> what I mean uh, the face I jumped over the cage of first to celebrate with my team because that's something we've been working towards for like seven years and uh, Adam and Ellis and Paul who jumped on me I'd coach him like two of my best mates and then I can, I can remember seeing my other mates over the other side and like I thought the whole arena's going nuts. I'm going to have to jump over and celebrate with them because I am one of them. We're all the same. I'm cuffing the same cloth as all these people. So I just jumped over and got in there with them.
2: The shot of you sitting on top of the cage with your arms crossed is a classic shot. You're just kind of loving it all, right? Well, what are you thinking in that moment? Yeah.
10: I was just thinking, wow, I'm basking in the glory here. Yeah? Yeah. That was when I just got back in the cage. I just climbed back up onto the cage and I looked up and I, I looked around at everyone and I could just see every single person that was there up on their feet. and I just thought, yeah, everyone's here for me. This is amazing. Ooh. I gonna have, have to let them know how happy I am and just done a little pose for them, sat on the cage.
2: Fair to say that was the greatest moment of your life. Short life, young life, but was that it?
10: Yeah, like you saying, I'm only 21. I'm gonna have a lot more bigger and better moments than that. I know I am when I lift that UFC title and stuff like that. But for now, that's the biggest and best moments of my life.
2: And and when you you know when you were preparing for your MMA journey when you were starting out at a young age, did you think at 21 all of this would be happening to you this soon?
10: Yeah, I, I know I'm on a path of greatness. I know where I'm headed. I know I know everything. Know what I mean? I've I've envisioned all this in my future. I I, I knew that I was going to get this far at a young age. To be honest, I already thought I'd be in the UFC by now. Huh. I should be, but, you know...
2: What took so long?
10: I know what what takes so long. <laughs> what's happened here? You. Your videos are off again. Oh, yeah. It what was, took oh. so long? They should, have, they should have already been on me, but we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, Um. so if you your next fight, do you think it will be a 145 or 155?
10: Yeah. Uh, 145, probably.
2: Okay. How's the weight cut for you?
10: I'm the I'm the champ now, aren't I?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. But if you go to another organization, you might have to, you know, give up the title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who's on your hit list in the UFC? All of them. Anyone in particular?
10: What, what, what? All of them. Every 145 or slash 155 that's got anything to say, will get dealt with.
2: What's the dream scenario for your debut? Do you have it? A, a venue, a city, an opponent?
10: Uh, no, to be honest, I it, Like I've said, it doesn't matter who it is, where it is, when it is. The only thing I know is I'm coming out the winner.
2: Okay. And what about? I've seen you go back and forth with some of the uh, the McGregor fans on Twitter. Is it is it suffocating? Are they coming at you a little strong these days?
10: Uh, nah, I, I enjoy it. Know what I mean? They're all <laughs> right today. He come in and try and have a little go, but I, I, I just talk back to them. I don't, it doesn't bother me. He can say whatever he wants. I'm the one who's world champ now, and I'm the one who's going to UFC. There,
2: if if UFC goes back to Liverpool with you, how how big of a deal can that be?
10: That'll be the biggest show the UK's ever seen. Biggest they'll show, never seen an you'll have never seen an atmosphere like it. I spoke to a few people about the other night, and like. A lot of them have said they've, they've they've never been to a show like it. They've never experienced nothing like that. I spoke to I spoke to someone there who works in the MMA world, and um, they said to me the only time that they've ever been in an atmosphere anything like that was when Vitor Belfort beat Luke Rockhold in Brazil. Mm. And he said that was a better atmosphere than Brazil. He said he's never seen nothing like that.
2: Wow! How did you celebrate?
10: Uh, went out on the town, had a few ales with my mates, a yeah. few, few beers, yeah.
2: I bet they're all coming out of the woodwork now, huh? Everyone wants a piece of the pa- uh, of the body. Yeah.
10: There's all there's all sorts of people jumping on the body bandwagon now.
2: Yeah, how do you feel about that?
10: Yeah, it's great. Know what I mean? It's the people who didn't believe in me at first, and now are jumping on the bandwagon. I, I don't I don't like them. Know what okay. I mean? Some people are jumping on. now. But um, the people who've always believed in me, I love them you know what I mean. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for all those people who believe in me and all my fans.
2: When can we expect you to fight again?
10: Before the end of the year. Okay. Definitely. Alright. You know, I like I like to stay out but I don't like I don't like to sit out at night. and Like I said, I'm only twenty one so I'm fit as a fiddle. I'm sad. I can jump back in there all the time. And just like you said, I won in 95 seconds last week, so no injuries, not a mark on me, on my lovely face. So it's all day.
2: <laughs> I love it. I wonder what you're doing November 19th, exactly two months from now in uh, in Belfast. I wonder if you'll be available then.
10: I would be, like, I would be available, but we'll see what happens, won't we? <laughs>
2: Well, Patty, I wish you uh, nothing but the best. It's been great to have you on the program. You're, you're, you're tough to penetrate, my friend. You're like a you're like a a steel vault.
10: <laughs> you know that from Liverpool, we don't open our mouths, we don't snitch on no one.
2: That's right. I've heard that about the Scousers, right? Is that how you, you pronounce it, the yeah. Scousers?
10: Yeah, Scousers.
2: What's the difference? In, what's the difference between Scouser and Liverpudlian?
10: Not on the both the same. Oh, okay. We're both in Liverpool, yeah. Are you a big LFC fan? Yeah, of course. You like duck. you see after the other day, I got the whole re- arena to sing just as for the 96. Yeah. That's for the 96 Liverpool fans that explain they lost their lives. Explain but, what happened there. Uh, well, there was, a, there was a disaster like 25, 26 years ago now in 1989 at a football stadium. Uh, they they let too many people in and 96 of my fans, Liverpool fans got crushed and uh, you know, lost their lives and other people got injured. And ever since then, we've been ridiculed over it because some newspapers put out that um, Liverpool fans were robbing off their own dead, taking rings off fingers, not helping each other, uh, pith, uh, urinating on police officers that were trying to help people in that And it was just a newspaper called the Sun lying, lying through its teeth. And we've been ridiculed for 25 years over that. So. I'm not gonna let people forget that. Know what I mean? I'm a Liverpool fan through and through, and I'm a, a scouter, through and through, and I'll never forget them. Ninety six people who lost their lives, and I'll never forgive the son for letting for, for posting bad stuff about my people.
2: Hmm. Well, they are certainly proud to call you their own. Uh, congrats on all your success, even though it's it's been a pretty short run for you thus far. And you have our attention, my friend. You have our attention across the pond. You know, I am looking forward to seeing what's next for you and what this big news is and, and, and uh, having you back on the show to talk about this big news. So you, you... Yeah,
10: I can't wait to come back on the show. <laughs> I've got another 15 years left in me, Ariel. I'll be on this a good few times over the next few years.
2: All right. Well, I look forward to that. All the best to you. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it very much.
10: Thanks very much. See you again soon.
2: All right. There he is. Patty the baddie Pimblet. Remember the name. It sounds like he has some big news for all of us. And I think he may have, if you were listening closely, I think he may have ever so slightly let the cat out of the bag, but we'll we'll let him off on that one. He is a young man. He is 21 years old. He is very excited about his future and who can blame him? Everyone. And I don't, I do not overstate this. It is very reminiscent. Now I'm not comparing the two, Certainly different fighters, different personalities, but you can see there are some comparisons there in terms of representing a nation, getting fans behind them, unique styles, and for me, very much deja vu all over again as far as the, uh, the requests and the demands to have Patty Pimblett on the show. So very, very happy that he was able to come on. It was a lot of fun to talk to him and I look forward now to hearing this news. What is he talking about? I wonder. That was fun, uh, Mr. New York Rick. Are you there? I'm here, sir. There's a lot going on, Mr. New York Rick. What do you think of young Patty, the baddie Pimblet?
1: He's got the goods. He's got, what the, I think.
2: What do you, What do you think his big news
1: is? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one can only wonder.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, part of me kind of wishes that he told me about this pending big news that we had him on after, but I feel like.
1: You know what? It's his news. Let her, you it's, know.
2: No, no, certainly. But I'd I'd love to react to the news. But I get no, it. Oh,
1: you got yeah. Twenty one years old. It'll uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> he'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, he's he's definitely got the goods. It, he, t- <laughs> after I called him, he tweeted out um, something about the time swap, and he's just a good. Ca- he's a he's a funny personality and a good What was character. he giving you crap? No, not me. No, he was he was awesome. Oh, okay, he was he was super accommodating and, and incredible, and took it like a champ. Um, he was just tweeting uh, Michael Johnson needs to, to, you know, get his times you know, straight <laughs> on, uh, wow. on Twitter. Already talking smack, huh? Yeah, maybe that's one that he can uh, match up with.
2: Now, to be fair, that, that was our doing. It wasn't Michael Johnson's doing. Yeah. Um, I know Michael Johnson had to get on a plane, so we wanted to accommodate him. Uh, but all is well that ends well. And I do yeah. remind you that uh, Derek Brunson is coming up at around 4.10. That's correct. Uh, to talk about his big win over Uriah Hall. So there's a lot going on. Wow, unbelievable! Shall we get to the questions now? What, what do we got? Anything good? Uh, we could get to the questions. Anything you want to
1: just bring up uh, before we do that? Like uh, spitball.
2: I, I want to see what the people are thinking about. Sure, I got a few things on my mind. Oh, okay. um, but I want to see if we're on the same page with the people. So let's see what I they have got. a feeling not. Um,
1: Interesting. Wow, I, I feel like you're going to have to pull. You're going to have to All pull right. some out today. So, uh, Michael Johnson, he explained. Uh, the situation between himself and Dustin, I think, pretty well. He he went through it from start to finish and, and accounted for for everything. Um, did you have a problem with his post fight celebration? Um, people were saying on Sportsman, like almost unanimously, everybody was disappointed in that. How did you feel about that?
2: Look, uh, I think sometimes we forget that there's a lot of emotion involved. That these guys are in a cage. That there's a door locked behind them. That there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, adrenaline two alpha males. They're talking at the weigh-ins. They're going back and forth. Fingers are being pointed in each other's faces. And I think we forget that when it reaches a crescendo like that and you realize what you have been working on, you know, accomplishing for the last three, four months, which is knocking this guy's heads up, head off, so to speak, there's there's going to be some, some emotion. And, and of course, other people react to it differently. Some are able to, like Mark Hunt, knock the guy's head off and walk away and others are going to let it out. And when you hear what Michael Johnson has been dealing with as of late, you kind of get it. Now I will say what, and I, and I, and I use the word bother lightly, but if I had to pick one, you know, one thing that I, I, I liked less than the other was it would be the extra shots. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. The extra shots is what bothers me more than,
1: than the words um, I So you thought the stoppage came a little late? Slightly late, yeah. I I didn't necessarily feel that way. I thought they were academic for sure, but I think the ref wasn't um, stepping into the point. I don't think he landed anything that felt borderline. I felt when the ref came in, he was done. Um, now, Dustin was likely unconscious at that point. He gave him a really, really sharp combination. Um, but I, had, I didn't have a problem with that. And to be honest, when the adrenaline's going, like you said... Um, The actual, you know, pointing and and that type of thing is is poor sportsmanship, but I I understand, like... I get the place it's coming from. There was so much built up to that. The weigh-ins, there was so much tension there. And then if we're going to dog him for that, we have to give him all the credit in the world for when that adrenaline dies down, he apologized. He didn't, you know, shy away from it or double down. He went to, to Dustin directly and apologized for it. And cooler heads did prevail. So, um, you know, I think all's well that ends well. Certainly, they're not going to be breaking bread together, Um but I I don't have as much of a problem with it as as, as most seem uh, um, to.
2: Unless it's like completely unsportsmanlike egregious, like you're trying to soccer kick the guy or do something illegal. Yeah, I try to give fighters, especially those that don't have a history of this sort of thing. Michael Johnson doesn't have a history of this sort of thing. You try to give him a pass in the heat of the moment.
1: Yeah, the the heat of the moment got to him, um, but afterwards he he apologized and, um, you know. He did, but it's interesting to hear him say that uh, (laughs) he doesn't regret it. No, I mean you have to kind of understand it. You yeah. know, Dustin's the one that did push his head at the, at the weigh-ins. Um, so, I, I kind of get it. Um, at the same time, you know, it's it's not sportsman-like, for sure. Um, and you certainly feel for Dustin. I mean, this is yeah. the second time that he has main evented a UFC show. And,
2: you know, he's climbing the ranks as he was against the Korean Zombie back in 2012. And for the second time, he stumbles in a big way.
1: Yeah. Um, but, that does show that he can get back here and that he he has to rebuild and and do it again. Yeah. And I, and I think he's perfectly capable of that, but a young guy for sure. Um, I mean, let's not take the shine away from Michael Johnson. Cause that was bonkers. That knockout was, you know, Vicious, and he's talked about. I, I forget. I, I believe it was Stan on the commentary or, or Annick, I forget who said it, but somebody was talking about how Johnson had said he believes he had the fastest hands in in weight division. And after that, it's it's Holy hard crap. To, to to disagree. Literally, if you blink, you miss the entire exchange. you put it on, and you know Dustin missed that uppercut, and that was it. Yeah. Um. But incredible performance, and also I think Dustin will, will be back. This was his. I think this is his first loss at fifty five, right? Since coming back up.
2: You have a soft spot in your heart for Dustin
1: I do. I'm wearing the Fightville shirt right now, Oh, actually. look at
2: you. Look at you. That is a great documentary. Incredible. Um, because you do kind of look like no, each other, not right? Not
1: anymore. Come on.
2: Well, not anymore with I the hair. To, yeah. Now, I'm just curious about the shaving of the sides. Like, why? Yeah. when do we determine that it's good to shave, not good to shave? Because if I'm being honest, I don't hate the hair. I like it when the sides are longer.
1: Nah, I like it when the sides are shorter. You do? You feel more aerodynamic? Yeah, I feel, it just feels heavy, you know. The, Cleaner. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I like it. How long does that take? What do you mean? To get a haircut, how long does it take? No, just to
2: clean. Because you're not touching the top, right? Yeah. Oh, you are? No, 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 I'm not. When's the last time you trimmed the top? It's been years now. Years. Literally years. years. Two, three, four? I think like we're going over two years now. Wow. And what about the sides? How long do you wait in between?
1: Mm, Depends on... Travel and laziness and all that sure. stuff. I don't. Tra- I, I've been getting haircuts on the road a little bit when I travel for events with Invicta and Glory right, and all right, that right. stuff. That's tough, man. Not, not good. I don't to like get that. the road haircut. I hate so, the road haircut. I've actually never done the road haircut. If I'm being honest,
2: <laughs> I have been smart, I, it, l- smart. Not. L- l- not to. L- let me tell you this. I have been in search for for one reason or the other. I don't want to get into that, but I had a a, a barber that is the man, but I don't live near him anymore. Uh, this guy's Manny the barber crew barber and i go every week and to me it's like a bond that you have with your Absolutely. with your barber the the comfort in knowing that you can sit down and just let him do his thing you don't have to explain to him you don't have to worry is an unbelievable load off your shoulders it's it's a great comfort and so i had that for years and then we parted ways sometimes i even make the drive but it's just too too far so um I've been searching for quite some time and I thought I found someone and it was going great and then she, cha- she, she made her off day on my day and now I can't go anymore. So now I have what to you search. Mean? You so- can't change your day? I only got one day. Oh, get out of There's here. There's only See, one now, day. Every Tuesday is my day. You got to work. You got to work with that. I can. Make I travel. Wednesday. I travel. You know, I do things. It's it's a big problem. It's a huge problem. It's actually depressing me that I now have to find someone else and go through this cuz I finally found someone. She was fantastic and uh she 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 left me hanging uh and we were together for four months this
1: is a relationship ariel you're you're trying to take 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 you gotta give a little bit it's so depressing wednesday is your day now
2: no maybe monday tuesday wednesday her new off days i mean who takes three days off for god's sake? that's
1: a little i mean come (laughs) but maybe you maybe you bring her in you know privately maybe you You know i think
2: luke thomas by the way does private uh haircuts what about beard grooming private where uh, does Luke you know what? Maybe Luke does, does the whole thing private.
10: Yeah.
2: I don't do that. I like to go, I like the experience. Oh, you're I, I'm not of a, people. I'm right. not above the whole experience you, of going to the barber. You. Plus, I don't want all my hair all over my house, then I'll do it myself. It's a mess. Oh, you anyway, if anyone wants to uh <laughs> New offer New Jersey their services, barbers, New
0: York
1: and, and, barbers.
2: And, and a lot of people say to me, a lot of people say to me, um, you know, your hair is just so easy. Very, 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 very incorrect. It's it's it, it looks easy. If you gloss over it, well, it's but it's 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 a tough thing it's to. It's not blend. about the
1: haircut itself. It's about the experience, That's the true. comfort. The, you know, you're in good hands. You're, they're not going to push your your hairline up this way or do that. You know, it's it's a whole thing.
2: Uh, a little hot towel would be nice. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: Get into it. Yeah. Okay. Derek Brunson. is yes. Coming on next. Yes. Um, four first round finishes in a row. Yes. What's what's next and, for him? And
2: one somewhat controversial fight against uh, Yoel Romero, which he. Talks about quite often, yeah. and I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, wow. Uh, Derek Brunson, turning into quite the finisher. Absolutely. Remember, when he came into the UFC, he was kind of known as this wrestler, and he was a grinder, right? Um, but he has turned into a finisher. What an amazing revelation this has been. Who is next for him? Is that he is in the
1: wrong division right now? It seems like there's so many guys in line Where is at he? this point. He's not even in the top 15?
2: This is... Oh, After, there he is. He's top 10. Yeah. He's number 10. Uh, Well... Musasi, I know Musasi's fighting Vitor Belfort, but the winner of that fight, I mean, I the like timing that fight. works out. Of course, there's Anderson Silva out there, but I don't know if it's, if that's going to happen. I mean, Robert Whittaker is still number seven. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good oh, what? Man, Whittaker hasn't fought in a minute, huh?
2: Yeah, he hasn't fought in a minute. There were some rumblings about Whittaker versus Anderson Silva, but I looked into that and there's nothing to it at the moment. Um, Brunson
1: so, Whittaker would be fun.
2: Brunson Whittaker, Brunson versus the, uh, the winner of Musassi Belfort. I, I feel like something like that. I'm kind of surprised that Belfort is still number five. In that division,
1: and then after that, I feel like it's one away, two away from the shot. Yeah, um, so he's getting he's there been super impressively. Yeah, Uriah Hall. On the other side of the coin, yes, I'm surprised. Where's the Chael Sonnen talk? What's going on here? You know what? I'm kind of itching. No one talked about Chael. I don't believe it. Let Let's get through this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Uriah Hall. Yes. Will we ever see his true potential in the UFC? I mean, I feel like, it, or is... is this his true potential? Yeah, he I, is who I he feel is. like there's I mean... people who think that we're just not seeing the, the Uriah Hall that, that we saw in Tough. Or um, is this the guy that we that we're is seeing? it? Is it possible? Is it
2: possible that he was overhyped? I don't know, but I mean, let's not forget who he was being compared but to. But
1: then you see him do the things that he does to yeah. Gegard Musasi, and it yeah. makes people think that they're not seeing everything that he has.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I wonder. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, That was super impressive. I kind of feel like he is who he is at this point. I mean, sometimes he'll win with the best of them. He'll lose with the best of them. He is a very, very good fighter. He's a top 10 fighter. Um, Will he ever be champion? Look, at this point, this game is so wacky that, you know, a guy will lose two in a row. I mean, who would have ever expected what Robbie Lawler did? So, and, and I haven't really seen this, but anyone who's trying to like end the book on Uriah Hall or saying he's done or whatever. I mean, that is obviously very premature, but maybe he caught Derek Brunson at a bad time. Derek Brunson is going up like this. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's, you know, any indictment on him. I just think that, you know, Brunson was the better fighter that day, as cliche as that sounds. Now, let me ask you about Chael Sonnen here. Sure, hit me. What was your reaction when you heard that Sonnen was leaving the UFC and signing with Bellator? I was shocked.
1: Shocking because nobody's been more of the company guy than chael over the years he's always uh been the ufc guy you know um promoting that they're the the best organization around and and you know being the face of it for for quite some time um but even after even when he was not a ufc fighter at least um you know uh provisionally at least while he was suspended um he was still the UFC guy. He was still, you know, always, always uh, touting the UFC. So it is a bit weird to imagine him on the other side um, with Bellator. Um, but at the same time, I feel like who's a more perfect Bellator fighter than Chael Sonnen? He is such an important signing for them. Now, I will say this, and I
2: think it was actually Luke who mentioned this on Twitter. I'm not sure if he's bigger than Kimbo Slice. I mean, Kimbo Slice really truly moves that needle, and bigger it remains to be seen.
1: I don't think so. Kimbo is is bigger.
2: Yeah, and he was he he was an icon. Um, that being said, Chael does much more than fight for Bellator. Scott Coker is a brilliant mind when it comes to putting fights together, building organizations. We've seen him do it once with Strikeforce, and he's in the process of doing it with Bellator. And I have the utmost respect and confidence that he can do it. He is not the best promoter in the traditional sense of the word. Chael Sonnen is that. He is a fantastic promoter. And on that conference call, in the span of around 25 minutes on Friday, he promoted a sort of ho-hum fight between Czech Congo and Tony Johnson three times. He found three opportunities to remind us that there was a live fight That evening in Texas, in Austin, Texas, that's what he brings to the table. So now you can use Chael Sonnen at all your media days, at all your fight weeks, even when he's not fighting, and people are going to want to interview him. He's going to stir the pot. He's going to create headlines. He's going to be controversial. He brings that to the table as well. He works for ESPN. He's still a commentator for World Series of Fighting. This is a very important signing for Bellator in that regard. I'm also just kind of surprised that that the UFC parted ways. But if I'm being truly honest, he's not telling us the whole story. Obviously, he alluded to that. There is more to the story. And when he says quite carefully that I was not under contract with the UFC when I signed with Bellator, that's obvious. He had to not be under contract with the UFC when he signed with Bellator. You cannot be under contract with UFC when you sign with someone else. That doesn't mean that they parted ways with some fights left on his contract. Now, what led to them parting ways, what led to them releasing him from his contract, we do not know. And I thought it was interesting to hear what he said about Dana White, because I was told last week that they parted ways amicably, but he sort of alluded to otherwise. He also said last week that heels lie, and he was just lying the whole time when he said that <laughs> that he was going to, uh, you know, when he was going to retire this whole time. So, you know, it, 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 you, you got you to gotta weed through all that stuff. But above it all, regardless of what happened, regardless of what got us to this point, this is a very important signing for for Bellator, and not just because of what he does in the cage, because what he brings to them as far as headlines and promotion is concerned as well.
1: I also think that you're going to get many more bites of the apple with Chael um, versus Akimbo, not only because of the stuff that he does, you know, because he's such a good mouthpiece and that type of thing, but there's not many people you can match Kimbo up with let's you know let's be real about that there was there was a select few there was a very small pool of people you could match Kimbo up with at that point at this point in his career and now Chael Sonnen on the other hand there's there's been you know 15 names at least that have come out by the time the the ink was dried on this so um there's so much possibility there's so many options he'll stay active um it's uh it's a great move, and and nobody's more uh, prototypically Bellator than than Chael.
2: Can I can I say this though? Of all the options that have been laid out, Rampage, yep. Fedor, which is sort of coming yeah. out of nowhere these days. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Who else was Tito? Tito, but there was Rory another, even. Rory, there was a, there was another one. Uh, oh, Vanderlei, of course, but well, Vanderlei can't happen just not yet. yet. I mean, isn't it amazing that the Vanderlei fight could actually happening happen in Bellator of all places? But my Crazy. my point is. Of all the options, even, even like a Liam McGeary or a yeah. King Mo, yeah. or, the one I'm least interested in is Tito Ortiz. I, I'm just kind of over it. I really am. Even like his reply on Twitter. I mean, I'm just kind of over it. I, 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 I don't want to see it. It doesn't come across as genuine. It, it comes across as playing pro fighter at this point.
1: But I think it's the first step. I think it's the one that you get.
2: I have no doubt that it will do well. I have no doubt that it will get a solid rating. I have no doubt that I will watch it. I just, its of all the options, I'm just saying it's the one that interests me the least.
1: Well, that's the great part because all those options are on the table even after the Tito Ortiz fight.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Um, I think it's going to be fun just because, you know, objectively, Tito is not Chael Sonnen on the mic. Let's just say that. No. So that juxtaposition, those two playing off each other um, at press conferences, you know, media days and that type of thing. You think it'll be good. Make for good. All right. um, Good fodder. Uh, The fight itself. I mean, to be honest, we're talking about all these things. Are we even thinking about how Chael matches up with them from a fight perspective? I don't think I've heard one person actually talk about Chael Sonnen's fighting uh, since he signed. I mean, Um, he hasn't won in quite some time. This is all about him selling cutting promos on guys in the lead up to the fights. I don't think we've even considered the fact that after he does these promos, they're actually going to have to get in there and have a fight.
2: Well, I think Tito Ortiz is a good matchup for him.
1: Sure, but are the other guys? Like who even knows at this point? We've we've just yeah. completely glossed by that. Yeah, yeah, that's the least important. Yeah, that's, that's the least right. important part apparently. Um, are you surprised UFC let him go? Sure, um, but you know, they're not uh, the last thing I would consider the UFC is uh, dummies, and so I'm there's sure more to this story. There's more to it, and Chael has already alluded to that. I'm I'm sure more will come out soon.
2: What about this cyborg story?
1: That she? You mean that she had to cut so much weight? That she still needs to cut all this weight. I mean, this is. This is a case where I'd be okay with them making it a catchweight fight oh my week. God. Um,
2: oh, 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 fight week! Yeah. Well, I mean, I
1: mean it's too late. Like you, the, the the weight is contracted now. But if I'm they seeing, literally
2: say let's fight at one fifty five, no one in the world nobody, would care,
1: and and it doesn't impact this because there's no division here. What is the point of fighting at one forty versus one fifty five versus one seventy? What is the difference? Well, now okay.
2: Well, I take it back. If Lena Landsberg comes to Brazil. Uh, you know, weighing I don't know uh, one fifty, and then you could say, "Look, she's worked her ass off yeah, to get to this yeah. point." But I'm I'm talking about like from when they signed the contract, when well, they signed the bout agreement. I agree with you. There is absolutely no reason at this point. It is, it, is, it is borderline careless to make this woman continue to fight at 140. If they refuse to make her fight at 145, they need to get rid of her. They need to cut her. There is no point. And she needs to put her foot down. And, and maybe they, they were under, you know, false illusions when they signed her way back when, but she can't do it. She just cannot do it. Why are we going through this? I actually reached out to George Lockhart while we were doing the show, and I tried to get him to actually come on and explain from his perspective the birth control thing, which I know nothing about. This is this sure. is not my domain, and also just the state of affairs and how in the world he's going to get her down to one sixty five. But he said he couldn't talk about it at this time. Um, so that's that. I, I, I at first I asked him, "Is this problematic?" And he said, "You know me, brother." So look, his his. Uh, his record speaks for itself. His so did, resume so speaks for itself. Yeah, but I mean, geez, come but, on.
1: You know, there's th- there's times where both fighters are having a tough weight cut. They come in and say, hey, can we fight this at X weight? You know, yes. one weight class. It happened or with
2: Sam Stout and KJ Nunes. Very recently. And in uh, so Quebec City.
1: I wouldn't, you know, no, I don't think anybody would be upset if that happened. But as you said, if Landsberg is coming in and she's a professional and, you know, she's on weight, it's hard to, to say no. And and it gives her an advantage, to be quite frank, if you make um, Cyborg cut down uh, and make the weight. so The other thing is, uh, I know Dana
2: spoke to a Brazilian outlet uh, this weekend and said, like, unless we find something that is going to, you know, blow things up, we're not going to do 145. And he kind of poo-pooed 125 at this point as well. Um I think Chris Cyborg is big enough for her own weight class. I think she's a big enough star. She can headline a show. Uh, she was getting a ton of press, more than anyone on that 198 card. She was in the New York Post the day of the show. I've talked about this. She can can hold that division on her own. She can run with it. She could be the face of that division. I think there's a great amount of interest in her. She's speaking English now wonderfully. Yeah. She's a very good interview. I love having her on the show. She's very honest. Uh, I think her Twitter account needs a little bit of work, but that's a different story for a different day. Uh, I, look, she, she's 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 a star. She could be the face of that division. I still do not understand why they are so fixated on having her fight in this make-believe weight class. That means nothing. And then having her fight someone like Lena Landsberg, who no one knows, you're throwing her into the fire. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. This is one of the more baffling decisions in recent memory
1: speaking of not making sense uh give a grade to the refereeing and judging on this fight night from. it was a little
2: bizarre my favorite part was when dan margillotta who i love lost his shoe <laughs> had a hole in his sock i oh. mean why what, did about,
1: what about the fact that he lost his shoe I yeah mean, that was why
2: great. do these things uh amuse us so much
1: that's eh, just funny it's it's the old you know johnson hit him so hard that the ref lost the shoe. Yeah,
2: yeah. Think. I'm so tired of talking about that stuff. I'm almost a defeated man. What about Ally no, Quinta? But Texas in particular. Ally I mean. Quinta. This is a, this is a depressing thing to go to Ally Quinta, who's been on the show time and again, and have him sit there in his polo in some real estate office on Long Island when he should be preparing for I, UFC this, 205 but, is a very depressing sight.
1: I'd almost go the opposite way. That it's not depressing. It's it's kind of like positive and inspiring that somebody's taking control of their it is of their but life it shouldn't this be way. this way I, me- no, it shouldn't be this way but there are people who would just take the medicine and, and lay down and say yeah you know what I'll fight at MSG for free so that I'll, after I build my name on that I'll take the next one and then the next one and the next one and Al is at this point saying you know what I've had enough of this um i'm making my stand here it's it's all you know i i understand what where you're coming from that you know this is not what we want to see and it's depressing in that way that we're not going to get to see al fight um on a new york card or at this point not going to get to see al fight on a new york card hopefully not um hopefully we do hopefully cooler heads prevail but um you know, it's, it's an important thing for somebody to kind of take a stand like this. So it's, uh, I, I see it as a positive.
2: I give, I give him a lot of credit. It takes a lot of guts, especially given how important that card was for him. And let me tell you this last week in particular. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who it's, it's becoming this thing where everyone's having these come to Jesus moments where they're like, what, what am I doing? And it, it feels like it's directly related to the sale and this is a battle, I mean, to degree. I mean, the UFC is getting it from all angles. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there was a story about Joe Duffy that came out. Uh, I believe it was the 42.ie that wrote this story that that he wants, you know, a better deal. And he has one fight left on his contract. Uh, you know, Chris Weidman has not agreed to his fight against Yoel Romero. Jeremy Stevens has not agreed to his fight against Frankie Edgar. I mean, go down the line. We are less than two months away from UFC 205. There is no main event. There's no main event. I mean, think about that. This is a show that has been, you know, worked on essentially for years. This is years in the making, literally. And there's no main event. I'm told that tickets go on sale next week. There's going to be a media day. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening in New York. But as we sit here right now on this Monday afternoon, UFC 205 does not have a main event. Now, we know what they want. It's Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. And to a degree, I think this is Conor reminding us all who has the leverage, who has the power. More power to him. He does. Anyone who thinks otherwise is, is just fooling themselves. But it is amazing to me that we have no main event less than two months away from UFC 205. And a lot of the fights... How about this? Not a single fight has been officially announced by the UFC. Not a single fight. It's fascinating what's going on, and I think some people get it confused. Like, I'm not trying to advocate for this. I'm, not tr- I'm just trying to bring light to what is going on in the sport right now. A lot of people ask me, why do you talk so much about the money? Why do you talk so much about the finances? This is why, because almost every single fighter on the roster, and in all walks of life, we always want more money. But they're all having these conversations. Now, very few of them have the guts that ally Quinta does to come out and say it and to put his foot down. But I can assure you of this. Your favorite fighters are having these internal discussions, conflicts about what they signed up for. And, 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 and the stakes have changed because of Reebok. You know what I mean? I mean, the stakes have changed because of Reebok, because of everyone getting smarter, because of the TV deal, because of the sale, because of USADA. The stakes have changed. And you know who's benefiting the most from all of this? Bellator. We're seeing that, right? Look at the year that they've had as far as signing people is concerned.
1: Speaking of that. Yeah. Is this the biggest Bellator signing ever? Is Chael the biggest Bellator signing I think Kimbo ever? is. And w- what about um, Benson Henderson, who just went over, Was seems uh, to be in the prime of his career, just coming off a UFC win? Is given what bigger? he
2: brings to the table, of the guys this year... This is the biggest one because he is such a uh, a popular figure. He's on ESPN. He's fought in those big fights. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know if anyone at, at this point can surpass what Kimbo, who had been removed from the game for five years, brought to the table. Remember that. Like, they weren't signing Kimbo right off the UFC. He was essentially, I mean, no one was talking about Kimbo for a very long time, showing up here and there doing some boxing, but it was a... Uh, I mean, it, it, it was pretty quiet on the Kimbo front, and then he returns, and then he just nailed it as far as the ratings are concerned. It was very impressive. How about Anastasia Yankova? Did you see her fight?
1: I did see that fight. What do you think of it? You know, back and forth. I, I, I.
2: Is it too maybe, much too soon for her?
1: No, um, but this seems to be a trend with Bellator where they're they're pushing uh, these specific fighters, and then they go out and either lose or don't look as dominant as you would hope. Um, that seems to that seems to happen yeah. quite a bit. We're, I
2: mean, at first it's, it, it looked like she was going to get knocked
1: out. Well, yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but. Also, you have to give credit to the the, the toughness. If you're going to say um, it looked like you know she was going to get knocked out, then you also have to give credit for the fact that she didn't and hung in there. And 100. I, th- I, I thought 29-28 was fine either way. Um, I saw quite a bit of people were were outraged and saying you know they can't believe that, but I thought either way 29-28 um, was a, was a fair score.
2: I thought that it was a fair score. I thought that she showed a, a ton of heart, a ton yeah. of resiliency, and I thought that perhaps most impressive of all was the fact that. She was very honest yeah in 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 her post fight interview she like she wasn't you know she she was actually disappointed and and sort of alluded to the fact that she thought she, she was going to lose. They keep pushing this McFarland fight, and I thought that it wasn't the right time to do it now, Jimmy Smith said on Twitter that he was asked to do that, and I get it. It seems like they want to book this fight as as strange as the circumstances surrounding it are. Um, but I didn't think that that was the right call in that moment to start talking about someone else when she literally just got, you know, her bell rung several times in the span of 15 minutes.
1: All right, sir, Mr. Helwani, we're going to flip the tables on you.
2: Okay. I had a couple other questions, but go no, ahead. No, no, no.
1: We're going to flip the tables here.
2: Yeah. We're
1: going to look ahead to this card.
2: Oh, s- oh, snap, swap, crap. <laughs> that
1: was like, that was, that because was like a, that was a mix of snap super and flustered. crap and, and, and whack. Okay, I feel like this is an easy one. Okay. So you'll be able to navigate your way through it. Okay. Who is the favorite? Yeah. Lena Landsberg or oh, come on. Cyborg Santos?
2: She. I'll say that Cyborg is a plus.
1: You're already wrong there. Oh, excuse minus me. Minus is the favorite. Yes, yes, yes.
2: See this out a little. Uh, minus 800.
1: Bigger. Minus 1250. Wow. Um, I mean, she could be minus... I I honestly think there might even be some value there at minus twelve fifty, just because you could give me quite a bit uh, worse odds on, on her, and I wouldn't give Landsberg a chance. Um, is it even worth it? Probably not. There's there's other ways to to make the money there. Okay, Henan Felipe Nover.
2: How about this one, huh? Felipe Nover getting the big fight. It's a huge fight. Uh, and and a very important one for Henan as well.
1: Minus three hundred, Burrell? Minus Minus four seventy. Wow. Plus three seventy five for Felipe. I like that you're taking a shot at the the numbers. You're not. That's not bad so far. Oh I yeah, like yeah, it. yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. I can't uh, just pick cyborg. guess
1: Roy, Roy Nelson versus uh, Bigfoot.
2: I can't believe that promo has it listed as Roy Nelson versus Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, this is this is one that I, I mean, Bigfoot versus Big Country. I mean, I, I almost feel like they booked it just so that they can say
1: that. Yeah, Bigfoot like the cowboy versus, versus cowboy.
2: Yeah. Bigfoot but on the promo on television on Saturday, it was Roy Nelson versus Bigfoot. What? Um
1: Roy Nelson minus two hundred. Minus four fifty. What? I, I'm with you on that. I you know, Bigfoot hasn't looked great lately. No, um he hasn't. But I don't think Roy Nelson is that guy anymore where he's he's commanding a minus four fifty. Um, I am a little surprised that he's as big a favorite as Henan Barrow is. Um, it's, that's a little bit interesting, especially at heavyweight. Um, you know, Silva could get off one good shot. Um, but clearly Roy Nelson deserves to be the favorite in this fight. Okay. A good one. Paul Felder, Francisco Trinaldo. It's a pretty solid card. Um, it's not bad. Paul Felder, minus 150. So, Trinaldo is actually the favorite here. Minus uh. 140, Felder, plus 120. But I'd say that's about in the right area. Your, your number was also right in the right area. This is going to be a less than two to one favorite fight, and, and uh, I think it's going to be good. I give the advantage to Trinaldo at this point, um, but he tends to fade later, so um, we'll see how that impacts the fight. But um, it's, it's going to be close, and, and that's a, a fight I really, really like. Uh, Tiago Santos versus Eric Spicely.
2: Santos minus 250.
1: Santos minus 470. Wow. Um I, he's been he now he's you talk fun. about guys looking good lately, he's he's been incredible. Although he
2: lost to Musasi.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think Musasi is Short notice. one of the top Yeah, yeah. guys in that Sure. uh class and um he he's Santos has gotten the the job done against the guys he needs to. I I've I've been really impressed by him so far. Um Favorite of of everybody involved, Godfredo Pepe versus (laughs) Mike De La Torre. Is he a favorite? You're not on the Godfredo Pepe train? I mean... If he goes out, (laughs) he loses or wins spectacularly. You're getting something good out of Godfredo.
2: Yeah, I guess. That crazy flying knee against uh, Noad Lahat. I'm surprised that you're not talking about our own Roxanne Mataferi finally fighting for the belt on Friday night.
1: Although I don't see any odds for that yet. What's up with that? Um, I think th- you know for Invicta they actually typically come out a little bit closer to um, a little bit closer to the fight night, but that's a th- as you said at the top. This is a really good card. Um, Jennifer Maya versus uh, Roxanne Modafferi for the title as I well. I brought in as my book, gu- a former guest of the show, uh, Yu Fry versus uh, Hamasaki for the title as well at Atomweight. I brought in my
2: "How to Be Positive" book by. Roxanne Modafferi, we have the Happy Warrior. I mean, she is represented quite well on this show. She's fighting for the belt. Yeah, this is big. This is actually, in my opinion, one of the better Invicta cards it, in recent memory. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, for the for the striking fans
1: out there, tell me, Tiffany tell me Van Aldana, Zost. say
2: her name. Say her name, Aldana. Irene Aldana. There you go. Uh, Tiff Time bomb
1: Yeah, Tiffany Van Zost is uh, making her MMA debut. pro MMA debut. So it's it's a solid one on Friday night. Um, let's finish this up. Actually. Okay. You finish this up. Okay. Dustin Ortiz and Juicy A. Formiga while I go get our guest.
2: Uh, Dustin Ortiz versus Juicy Formiga. I don't really have much to say about that. What do you want me to say? You want me to pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Formiga on that one. But let me go back to Invicta. I like the Invicta card. Fight pass, 8 o'clock from Kansas City, Missouri. One of my favorite fighters to watch. I've said it before on this show. Jin Yu Fry fighting for the Adam Way title against Ayaka Hamasaki. 13-1 and against 5-1. And Roxanne Modiferi in the main event against Jennifer Maya. Uh, it, it is a it is a solid card. I like this card very much. And then Ryzen is back on September twenty fifth. Crone Gracie against Hideo Tokoro. Start of the open weight Grand Prix, Mirka Krokop. Kazuyuki Fujita on the card. Andy Sauer on the card. Gabby Garcia, right? think she's on the card the return of crazy horse bennett ryzen is back so this is a this is a very interesting it's an eclectic weekend in mixed martial arts coming up other news last week jorge masvidal we'll talk about that before we go as well very upset that he had his fight with Kelvin Gastelum pulled because Gastelum is now fighting Cowboy Cerrone at UFC 205. 205, if I'm being honest, is starting to feel a whole lot like 200. It's like in this day and age with so many events to try to make one in, 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 in a, in a long line of many special and stick out is very, very hard. I feel for the UFC on this, on this one. It is hard to make it special and I'm getting those, feelings all over again we shall see less than two months two months away uh what are we six blocks away from madison square garden how exciting is that for now let us go to our last guest of the day big win for him on saturday he defeated uriah hall and there he is Derek brunson texting as we get to the skype machine who are you texting Derek? man you know what i'm
11: actually trying to keep up with the show I'm trying to
2: keep up with what's going on oh wow so, no! what a nice plug what do you mean keep up with the show so much has gone on today to-
11: I mean, I heard you talking about Jorge Masvidal and yeah. the fight that he had. Just trying to keep up with the current stuff in MMA.
2: <laughs> what a nice recovery that is, uh, Derek. Thank you. Um, well, congratulations on the win. When you were preparing for this fight, when you got the fight, leading up to the fight, did you envision knocking him out?
11: Um, I envisioned myself knocking everybody out, but I didn't. I don't know. It depends. I didn't know how Uriah Hall would come at me. I mean, I saw a lot of instances, different, like, scenarios. He might come out and run and try to fly and me, try to, like, karate kick me, or he might come out really patient, you know. So um, I was just prepared wherever the fight went.
2: Now, on – I know, when was it? Friday at the early weigh-ins. What happened between you two? You came in at the same time, right?
11: Well, I'm trying to think which scenario you're talking about. Oh. But me and you are in it, like – about 5 times what? Like, all week long he we separated like 5 times it was crazy
2: okay tell me tell um, me about each time when did it first happen
11: well um i think the first time open workouts you right hall was finishing open workouts and i was going to open workouts so he was leaving the shuttle and i was coming to the shuttle and we were just kind of like walking by each other and then we both just kind of like slowed down and then we kind of like got in each other's face and i was like shaking my head and he was like yeah All you're going to try to do is hold me down. I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, uh, (laughs) And then I was like, (laughs) I called him a boy, and he was just getting all upset. he's like, boy, boy, you called me a boy. You know, he was trying to get all in my face, and, like, uh, a couple of UFC people came in front and, like, separated us. Then we had another instance um, in the back right after weigh-ins. He came up to me because I was sitting down ready to be interviewed by Fox, and he came up to me and just was running his mouth, you know, like, Every time all week long, he saw me. He just came up to me and was running his mouth. And then it's funny, at weigh-ins, oh, at the official weigh-ins, we almost got into it also, he went and weighed in uh, probably, like, I don't know, like three or four minutes before me. And I'm going to weigh in. You know, I'm, like, I don't know, dehydrated. And he's already weighing in. He had a couple of drinks in him. And he came up to me, and he was just, like, blabbing at the mouth. And then Heidi stepped in between us. And he Damn. was, just, like, fucking try." So it was, it was a – um. We had it out a lot that week.
2: Yeah. And, and then you go in there and you actually have to fight the guy. Did, did that raise the stakes after all of that? Once you get to Saturday, were you like, oh, man, there is no way I'm losing to this guy after all this?
11: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I'm sure he was feeling the same way. But it's funny, though, because Uriah Hall, he did all this talking. I mean, I heard all of his interviews. Even when we did, like, you know, the interviews for the the TV, he was saying, you know, Derek is not dangerous. He a boring fighter. There's no way he can beat me, you know. And um, I looked across. He walked past me. When he got in the cage, he walked past me, and I looked at him, and he just looked at me, and he, like, blinked, and he nodded his head. I was like, I, I don't know if he really feels, like, that confident anymore. And then we got across the cage, and we were looking at each other. You know, we were staring each other down, and then I saw him blink again, and I saw it in his eyes. I was like, he is regretting everything that he said, but wow. now he has to actually what he said you know so at that moment and i smiled at him right before you know we got we got after it but i knew at that moment he would kind of regret it all the stuff he said because he had to back it up so
2: so the whole fight lasts a minute and 41 seconds uh that is your fourth straight first round finish and in this particular fight you drop him early and then it's ground and pound time and then you're pulled off and you're celebrating and then of course everyone says or a lot of people are saying early stoppage what's your response to this talk
11: Man, honestly, it doesn't matter. I don't really care if it's an early stoppage, late stoppage. You know, I guess if I'm on the opposite end and let's say somebody dropped me and I guess I will want time to recover, it kind of depends. You know, it goes both ways, but. As a fighter, you know, like Uriah Hall hasn't said anything. You know, he hasn't posted on any social media. Haven't said anything because you know, as a fighter, you know, you can't get caught in those positions. It's martial arts. It's about protecting yourself. You know, the fans want to see more. They want. They're there to see fights. You know, they want to see more. They want to see. You know, people get put unconscious. Whatever. Whatever. But you can't get put in those spots. You know, you as a mark. You can't get caught. You know, you're learned, You we're highly screened, highly trained individuals. So. We know how to protect ourselves, and we know that, you know, you can't get hit like that. Uriah got hit with a big left hook, and he was down. You know, the only thing that woke him up, per se, is him hitting the canvas. Like, he dropped. He was out. He was limp. You know, he his back hit the cage, and his head hit the cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it, But I hit him with an elbow that connected. I threw another punch, and I hit the canvas. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, boom. And I was like, man. In the middle of punching, I was like, "Man, I was like, that was bad." <laughs> then I followed up, grazed his chin, and I grazed his head, and just looking at him, yeah, he was pretty out. And then her beam stopped in the middle, and I was thinking, like, I was like, "What are you doing, her?" Like, I didn't. I was thinking, you know, I thought he's gonna give him more time, so I was, consi- I was gonna like posture up and keep punching. But in my opinion, I think that was a great stop because he was limp, he was out, and the fans don't see every angle. You know, um, Uriah Hall got up and he was um, single legging Herb, but that's the, that's the thing with him also. If you have a fighter that's been punched a lot and been knocked out a, a lot of times, they're not going to be able to recover there or look like they was knocked out. Uriah Hall hasn't been knocked out, so his chin is relatively good, so he can recover huh. faster. So he goes out and he comes back and like he was never out. But if he keeps taking those type of punches, he'll just be out, out. You know, so. um yeah, he was definitely out, you know. Um, I saw it firsthand.
2: How much did it hurt to punch
11: the canvas? Um, It didn't bust my hands up or anything, okay. but I'd rather do that again.
2: <laughs> so do you think the left hook in its own right finished him? That's all
11: you... Yeah, yeah. That's and if I hit anybody with that left hook, they're going down. Damn. Know? So, yeah, um... Yeah, the, the left hook was what done it. What done it? He was. It's no way he was covering. And you know what? I'm not trying to lobby or say it wasn't an early stoppage because, really, honestly, I don't care. My my job was to go show up and fight and to sign my show and win bonus, and that's what I did. You know. So th- after that, my job was done. But um, my my wrestling coach made the best because he's like defending me like on Facebook and stuff, which you know on the Fox thread. But he said, you think a guy who's a three time All American Gonna let him get back to his feet, which obviously he would have got to his feet a little drunk. and he? His equilibrium would have been off still. You know, it, that's impossible for him to recover there, you know. Or, or, or I don't know. I'm gonna be punching for five minutes to sure. the, the buzzer goal.
2: man. You are on some kind of roll right now. Um, like I said, that's five in a row. Um, you know, seven of eight. If you, you know, you want to include the run prior to the old Romero fight, the Romero fight controversial. If you would have won the Romero fight. Where do you think you'd be right now? Do you think you'd be champ already?
11: Yeah, honestly, I think I, I think I will. Not discrediting anybody, cause man, it's nothing but love for everybody who fight in my division. You know, this isn't like uh, it's just a sport. You know, it's just, it's it's not what it used to be. MMA is a sport. We go out here, we do battle. Everybody have family, friends. You know, they train really hard. But yeah, I'm 100 percent confident I can beat everybody in the division. You know, and honestly. I'm not being cocky. I'm not talking trash. But anybody who beat me will have to get lucky. You know, nobody's just going to, you know, out technique me. Um, I'm very well-rounded now. Fort fought Jacare back in 2012, and he caught me. And, you know, I can actually watch that uh, clip in peace, and it's funny and it's laughable because you have a guy who's been fighting for over a year, and he's fighting this guy who's been fighting in Japan, you know, former champion. He's been through all the tough fights you know, and he's prime. he's ready. You know, you got a guy like me green. I'm coming in. I want to do well. You know, everybody is picking him to win. I'm like, you know, i know myself. I'm like, you know, I can beat this guy, you know, but me knowing or me thinking I can beat someone, I have to be, you know, skilled and I have to put my time in a sport. And since then I've, I've done that, you know, I've stayed true to my training. I put my time in and, um, I believe, you know, I am that complete martial artist now, you know. Nobody has seen my jujitsu, but I have really good jujitsu. you know. I submit black belts, you know. So, yeah, it's it's only a matter of time, you know.
2: What was the turning point for you? When do you think you started to become that complete fighter? Because as you mentioned, when you fought Jacques Jacare, and I'm wondering, by the way, if you still feel like you are, and I know I'm asking two questions here, but what the hell. Um, are you still paying for that loss to Jacare in a, in a sense? Like, Do you feel like that's why you're not getting pushed more because – that didn't happen all that long ago, and he's still a top contender? Uh, no,
11: a long time ago. That was, what, 2012? That was my first yeah. – I started fighting it. I started fighting. My first professional fight was, like, late 2010.
2: I know. It hasn't been that long.
11: Yeah. Two, what, four years? Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time ago. All right, fair you enough. Know, I mean, <laughs>
2: you've done a lot, so fair enough.
11: Look at, look at, like, Kane and, like, Junior Dos Santos. A lot has changed since then. Like, sure. you remember that first fight on – yeah, you know when he caught him big overhand, maybe forty seconds. Yeah, everybody that you know who don't understand martial arts is like, "Oh, King sucks." Blah blah blah. But in all reality, I mean, those who follow martial arts and know martial arts, I mean, some people get caught sometimes. You know, it goes like that. Sometimes he come back and he fights some maybe like you know a fight or two later, and he smokes him for five rounds. So, and then I think he fought him again and beat him. But it just goes like that sometimes. Okay, um,
2: so when do you think you turned the corner and, and became that? Well, I mean, this this amazing strike. I mean, four straight first round finishes in a matter of seconds is a very hard thing to
11: pull off. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's funny because after my fights, I'm thinking I'm like, man, like, honestly, I've never been in. I fought some high level guys. You know, I've been around now. You know, I've been through strike force, you know, um, UFC now. But um, I never leave fights busted up. I had that one fight, you know, when I messed up my jaw. But, you know, it's just like a surreal run, I guess. Um, I think it's just the hard work. And, yeah, I mean, I definitely need to be pushed more, you know. The the middleweight division in the UFC is tough. It's stacked, you know. The guys at the bottom, you know, these guys have been around for a long time. They've been champs in other divisions, you know. Um, there's a lot going on, So. Think I definitely think I need to be pushed more um, as far as marketing by the UFC. Yeah,
2: how was Hidalgo? What was that like?
11: Hidalgo was cool and funny enough. Me and my cousin, we got there, and this this training camp was so draining and stressful, you know, because I was supposed to fight two hundred, so I was out of I was I was out of action for about six months, you know. So it was I was getting antsy, and we got to Hidalgo, and we actually rented a car one day and we went to Mexico so we went to like oh wow <laughs> we went we crossed the border <laughs> everybody I, I got a haircut and all the barbers are like don't go to Mexico we was like why and it's like it's dangerous and one guy showed me a picture where like it was a mom a, a like three-year-old son and like uh the father and they were all like face down like bloody I guess it was like somebody got killed by the cartel like that wow but I was like, you know, I was just bored, tired of sitting around. So we rented a car and we drove over. We drove through, like, I don't know, all the, like, poor little towns. And it was surreal. It was it was very humbling, you know. These guys live in, like, little small shacks the size of someone's bathroom. And, you know, I don't know. I like seeing stuff like that. Um, it just shows you what type of world we live in and teach, teach you to be a little appreciative. So
2: Did that put you in the right mindset going into a fight?
11: It did, you know, it, it it's relaxing, it's calm, you know, it, it made me think, you know, be thankful. Yeah. I worked really hard, so just go out here and do what, I, what I've been training, you know, and the rest will take care of itself, so, so.
2: So you were supposed to fight Musashi at 200, you had to pull out of that fight. Um, can you tell us why you had to pull out?
11: Yeah, um, well, I was in Albuquerque, and my eyes just went crazy on me, and, and it was predominantly, so... Um, you're at a computer a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was on when I'm in Albuquerque. I go and I train at about nine thirty to eleven, and then I I'm off for the rest of the day most of the time until like five or six. So I was on. I'm on my phone just playing games, and I had LASIK surgery, and I was playing on a small phone, so it scrambled my vision from afar. So I couldn't see like when I look from afar, I have to blink and. I couldn't see for like ninety percent of the day, so wow. I completely messed my vision. And I was like researching it, and we thought it was a concussion and all this other stuff. But just doing all the research, and I went to all the neuro neuro neurologists, whatever. Just that—that's what came back. Is just that uh, my eyes started adjusting to the small screen from using it like you know five to six hours straight at a time. You know, so.
2: So no more phone for you. Although we just saw you on the phone, so.
11: You know what I'm on right now? I'm on a big iPad. I bought a big iPad Pro, the new ones.
2: Oh, okay. So you don't have to look. So it's a game
11: on my phone that I can play on my iPad now. So
2: ah, I okay.
11: No, a phone anymore, yeah.
2: Um. So Musashi's fighting in a couple weeks. Is that the one that you want back?
11: Listen, <laughs> I heard, it's funny. Musashi said before, he said, I, I saw his post-fight interviews, kind of similar to Uriah Hall, uh, Uriah Hall was saying, you know, it's no way Derek can beat me. I'm not worried about him. He's not dangerous. I heard a similar things from Musasi. Musasi was saying, you know, I'm not worried about Derek. He's not dangerous. I mean, are you kidding yourself, man? Like, you, Musasi is a slower version of Uriah Hall. Like, um, once again, Musasi would have to get lucky to beat me, uh, I will, yeah, for sure. I would love to have that fight back. anybody who's anybody who's going to do something for my brand or do something for my name, I would love to have that fight. And like I said, I'm not being cocky, I'm not being arrogant. I just work hard and I'm very confident. You know, um, I feel that you just put in the time, everything will start um, developing at the right time.
2: I feel like the next fight has to be a big one, whether it's Musashi Belfort winner, Anderson. You know, I feel like you need a big fight now. I mean, four in a row, come on, four in a row, first a round, fight- five in a row in, in total.
11: You know what I I I didn't want to say this but Yes, go ahead, say it. I wasn't going to say it, but to be honest, the best fight for me pride wise would be uh Jacare, honestly. Hmm. But you know what? Now, with being saying that, saying that, this is a this is a sport and I heard Matt Hughes and a couple other guys say I don't do MMA for the money. I do Like, I'm an athlete. Like, I'm not going to be out. If if fighting was free, I wouldn't do it. Like, I might put on, like, headgear. I might do, like, amateur style, like, with some headgear, like, some shin guards, you know, double mouthpiece, something like that. You know, I love martial arts. I love getting better. I would train. I would always train. But... I wouldn't put myself in front of millions of people. You know, it's a lot of media. It's a lot of stuff that go into fighting, you know. Um, not just anyone can do it. You know, it's a lot of pressure, you know. So I wouldn't put myself out there if it wasn't for the money. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who's number one or two in the world. That's That should be a big money fight, you know. So if I, in other words, if I was getting paid Nate Diaz money, Conor McGregor money, that would be the first fight I would want right now.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Because you want to get he, that one back.
11: Yes, and I'm very confident.
2: Yeah. Um. He's fighting Luke Rockhold again in two and a half months, so maybe the timing won't work. But who do you like in that fight?
11: Um. That's a good question. That's a very good question. <laughs> I watched the first fight. Yeah. And I don't think Rockhold won that fight. I don't care what anybody say. Uh, is he got you? Rockhold got dropped twice. He got taken down twice, and he really didn't land anything significant on his feet. How he won the fight is he stayed very active. He was kicking his arm, kicking his leg. You know, he outpointed him. He out. He stayed more busy. So that's how he won that fight. Mm. You know, it was very close. It was a split. But I remember the fight like in my head. But um, I don't know, man. Look at Bisping isn't a power puncher, and he put Rocco down. So I mean, I don't know. But then again, Jocker is very stiff. And,
2: <laughs> You're going back and forth here.
11: I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very confused on this fight. They should, they should um, send
2: you out there to Melbourne, get some press, get some love. You know, watch that thing, cage side. You need some should- of that. You need some of that
11: you know what? I think I'm going to show up to um, Australia. Yeah, you should. I'm going to do that. You know,
2: I give you you a lot of respect for for coming out and saying, like, there's nothing wrong with a pro athlete who's in the prize fighting business. What is this at the end of the day? You're you're not, I mean, that's stuff that Matt Hughes was saying. It was very tone deaf and it's very easy for a guy of his stature when his career is all said and done to start sort of like, you know, putting you guys down and being like, well, why else are you doing this? We have families to feed. I, I mean, like, to, 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 Imply that if you are saying publicly that you are fighting for money is a bad thing is is really unfair to you guys. It really is. I mean, we could all live in this fantasy universe. At the end of the day, why am I doing this job? Is to make a living. We all do that. Like we're all trying to make money. That, that's the whole game of life, right? So I give you a lot of credit for actually saying that because I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that. But you're trying to make money yeah. here. You're trying to survive. You're trying to cash in.
11: It's not about survive. I'm trying to, you know enable my life i'm trying to get out what i'm putting sure i have a college degree you know honestly if i wasn't fighting i'm all in and fighting like uh i'm 32 now i graduated college when i was 21 22 i could have went back to college i was gonna go back to college and get my master's i was gonna go to law school so therefore i would have been established in my career you know but no i went all in on mma and I, I have no regrets i love it i love waking up every day training you know i love being my own boss you know but at the end of the day yeah that's that's why we do this you know we're trying to get paid you know look at connor you think connor don't fight for money yeah of course I mean, he does guys well, you know this guy buys everything he can find you know he probably a, a buy a street if they allow him like <laughs> i don't know like this guy will buy anything so i mean and I like Conor. I like Conor McGregor. I like his style. He does it for money. He fights for money. He's very flashy. Um, yeah, of course, man. I mean, that's what we do is for, you know, good vacations, have fun, enable you know, a lifestyle, you know,
2: um, perfect world. When do you want to return?
11: Um, perfect world before the end of the year.
2: Okay. All right. End yeah. of the year. So maybe it won't be Jacare if it's the end of the year.
11: No, and it's not going to be jockey-rate because it doesn't make sense as right. far as like uh, rankings and money. If I'm fighting one of the top guys, top five guys in the world, we're talking, we talking a new contract, we're talking being compensated for. Oh, yeah, There's nothing wrong.
3: Here we okay, go. Okay, you
11: know, let's be let's be honest. You know, it, this is a business. You know, UFC making money, and they they, they make a lot of money. You know, so. It's a business. It's a business here. A business.
2: Well, man, you are putting your your money where your mouth is. You are you are you are killing it right now. Really, it's been uh you know, I remember the first time I saw you fight. Let me let me try to remember this fight now. It was it was uh, it w- here was July 30th, 2011, and uh you defeated. You remember who you defeated? Was that Lamumba Sayers? Lamumba Sayers, you came out to Miley Cyrus party in the USA.
11: That was on the um Henderson Fatal card. Yep. Yeah.
2: That was the first time I I covered one of your fights in person and uh, very impressive. You hit a bit of a snag there with Kendall Grove, as controversial as it was. And then Jacare, ever since then, man, you have been on fire and it has been such a joy to watch you turn into this mixed martial artist that you have become. So congratulations on all your success. And I do hope that you get that big fight with those big riches, big prizes, uh, because you're you're, you're on the rise in that division. I hope you get that big fight. I mean, it's about time. I want to see you fight on a big card, on a big stage, against a big time name. Uh, You have done enough to deserve that. So congratulations to you, my friend. All right. Thank you. All right. All the best. There he is. Derek Brunson stopping by. Looking forward to what is next for him and appreciate him stopping by after his big win over Uriah Hall. Let us not forget that he was booked against you. Excuse me. Gegard Mousasi at UFC 200. So that was a big one. Uh, Unfortunately for him, uh, I issues couldn't fight, uh, but now I want to see him fight on a big card. I want to see him fight a big time opponent, a big name, right? I mean, it's time in my opinion. It is time, and how about this, New York Crick, as we wrap this up if you're still there? I'm still here. You, you haven't left to uh, Thailand just yet. New York Crick, by the way, won't be with us. Is it two weeks in a row or just one?
1: We mean just one.
2: okay. What are you talking about? Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry i can't I can't um, I can't be responsible for anything that is said after the three hour mark of the show, so. Yeah. Just for the
1: <laughs> or the first hour or at any point, um, but what about the, the
2: the topic of pay people look i didn 't bring it up there right right a constant theme
1: yeah i, I don't think um we're going to be able to avoid it. There was, I feel like, up until this point, it's been something that people have carefully danced around. Yeah, I don't think they're, that that's a, a possibility anymore. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, some of the headliners, guys like Conor McGregor, kind of blowing the doors off and and making it a uh, okay for public consumption and really like pointing it out. Um, so one
2: hundred percent, he has changed the game in that regard. Remember when I said we will look back on that Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz feud? In a few years' time, and just marvel at how many aspects of it changed MMA, and that's one of them. That is one of them. Also, not fighting for a belt. Why are you laughing?
1: Nothing. Some, what? So, something unrelated. What An happened? Email just pinged on my thing. Forget about, about it. I saw you laughing before too. What were you laughing about? You go first. I don't remember anything. Kay. I wasn't laughing about anything.
2: Um. Okay. Um, that was weird. Anyway. I maintain that we will be looking back on that now. Uh, a, a lot of people talking last week before we go about Kane for Doom too. Are you down mm-hmm. with that? Down with it.
1: Um, but I don't know. I'm just. I guess I'm hesitant. I'm kind of gun shy about it. But yeah, I, I of course that's the fight to make. Let's give props
2: to Kane, who found out that Stipe Miocic was going to take some time off. And well deserved. Active. Well deserved, yeah. He's fought three times, Stepe, in the span of nine months. Says, "Give me that fight
1: back now, sea level. Let's do it." We've we've had this happen to Kane before, where he sure. took one fight in between, and it didn't go well in the in the title shot that followed. But what are we talking about? It didn't didn't he? T- oh no, opposite. It went well. He took the Silva fight right, and then yeah, yeah. the title shot. Okay, so maybe that, this is the right way to go. Yeah. This is the, so um, I'm just a, I'm just a little. I don't know. I Did I did I see anything that I want to see run back? I guess. I mean, the C, well, I guess we'll I finally put the C-level Kane thing to bed. Um, Perfect
2: scenario, we see Kane versus Stipe, but this is the best number two. Now, I wanted to see JDS versus Verdum. I agree if with Kane you there. was going to fight Stipe, now I want to see JDS versus Barnett.
1: Hmm, that's a good one. I'll take that.
2: Uh, we'll see what happens there. But
1: yeah, I think Verdum versus JDS did a little more for me, but... If this is, you know, the path to the title shot, then that's that's exciting as what well. What do
2: you like better, Masvidal Gaslam or Gaslam Cerrone? Masvidal Gaslam Was that, like that even in play? Yeah, that was the fight. Masvidal Gaslam was oh, happening November 5th. Uh, okay,
1: yes, yes, yes. And then they took um, it away.
2: I kind of like that one better.
1: Well, I like Gaslam Cerrone better because I like Cerrone better than I like Masvidal in terms of, you know, putting From on an exciting From a matchup and
2: where it was what? taking place, Mexico City... I liked, but Gaslam, then what do you do with Cerrone? Masvidal better. I will say this: if you look at Cerrone's rise as a welterweight, right? So he goes from Cowboy Oliveira, right? Patrick Cote, Rick Story, Kelvin Gaslam. Like he is, you can actually see the steps on the ladder. It, it, it really is one fighter after the next. It all makes sense. So I get that. And if I'm being honest, it actually makes more sense than the Robbie Lawler fight from a progression standpoint. But Gaslam Masvidal. Made I don't know just kind of fit better in Mexico City. I don't really know. You know there were some options out there. Habib at one seventy, or well, maybe even at one fifty five for for Cerrone, if he wasn't getting the title shot. I think that has a lot more. There's no heat between Gastelum and Cerrone, and it seems like Cerrone has heat with a lot of guys. So that's why I kind of was like, eh.
1: I I will take keeping Cerrone active over keeping a fight between Masvidal and Gastelum together. Yeah, but why not do the Habib fight? Habib versus Cerrone? Yeah. Pfft. If that's on the table, then I'm in. Well, so you seen... said he wanted to do it. That's all I'm yeah, I don't know if that was. All right. Let's. If that was, if that was truly in play, I will take that fight way more. I would like that fight way more than I'd yeah. like Gastelum Cerrone for sure.
2: Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this week as it pertains to 205 because something's got to give, right? Yeah. It's going to happen, and and there there are fights that have been officially announced. In fact, I think I wrote them down. No, excuse me, not officially announced. That are probably going to happen. Um,
1: one's off now. One was Iaquinta. Liz
2: Carmouche versus Caitlin Chukagian uh, I Quinta Alves is off. Cerrone Gaslin, we know. Evans Kennedy, Edgar Stevens is still not one hundred percent. Last time I checked in on it, uh, Eddie Connor. Uh, I, I told you about that one. Still not done. Not close to done. Woodley, Stephen Thompson. Woodley announced that. Um, John Vellante against Marcos Rogerio de Lima uh, that that has been reported Chris Weidman versus Yo Romero not done so there are still some things that need to be decided in the next seven to 14 days I guess that's a good card though it is a good card if it comes to fruition something's got to give
1: let's get Reginald on that card yeah god dang Seriously. it I mean I, I will
2: be sad if he's not on the card I will too I mean that whole story is very bizarre with the strikes and all that well, now you now if you're if you're playing devil's advocate, you have to say, look, you, if you verbally agreed, maybe the best course of action wasn't to agree to a fight and then come back and say, oh, by the way, I'd like more money, right? I'm sure he'd rather have done it a different way. Um, but you also get what he's saying about the Reebok deal and the times of change and the contract.
1: Has also, changed. yeah, th- this this seems to be operating independent of that individual fight. This is the t- the timing is because of this individual fight. Um, but I don't think. Even if he wasn't booked to fight somebody in New York, that he wouldn't feel the same way. This is just what brought it to light. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel like the the issue is that he took a fight and is now kind of backing out of it. It's more an overall thing that has been building up. Fair enough. Um, I, yeah. I I get and exactly I, what you're saying though. Look, if you agreed to, he probably should do done it, it the the opposite way. Right? He should have done this first and then um, worked it out and then decided. But um, clearly he has he has some kind of argument here and and um, it'll need to be addressed and if not then he he just won't be able to fight which um is is not good for any of us but uh i mean in the meantime if you're looking for some property you know where to go. <laughs>
2: that's right region al realty um and another fascinating thing is that when you look at the divisions bantamweight title still not booked featherweight lightweight Middleweight? No, middleweight's coming up. Light heavyweight, heavyweight, strawweight. I'm seeing Ioana Janjacek popping up in, uh, in ATT, uh, Coconut Creek, Florida. So she seems to be in the United States and also women's bantamweight. Fascinating times in the sport of mixed martial arts. I'm sure next week we will have a lot to discuss. Uh, sadly, New York Creek will not be with us, but we will miss you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know if you, I don't know how sincere that was, but...
2: Listen, it's as sincere as it's going to get at 4.42 p.m., <laughs> All right. Okay,
1: I I will miss you and and the fans as well.
2: Oh, wow. I don't know how sincere that was. That was actually worse than mine, (laughs) if I'm being honest.
1: I I actually really will.
2: All right. It's very rare that I miss a show, but I will... Godspeed. Hopefully, it's not uh, raining outside. I have yet to miss a show this year, I believe, just for the record.
1: You see, your your numbers come with an asterisk. Why? Because you 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 can un you, you can cancel the show and therefore but it's, I not like, to do it. it's not quote unquote like missing a show I believe
2: from the first week of January up until September we have not missed one week this I don't year I think so That's pretty impressive I'm proud of that Yeah we're like Cal Ripken over here
1: Give the people what they want
2: That's right Okay Give Ally Quinto what he wants we're Okay we're done you can hit my music Another busy weekend coming up in the world of mixed martial arts as I said uh, Ryzen Invicta, UFC Some very good fights And a lot of news Is definitely going to happen in the next seven days That's one thing I know for certain There is a lot of news that is going to happen It always happens, it never stops It never ends in MMA And that's why we love it, that's why I love covering it so much And again I will Reiterate for the people who keep saying Why do you keep talking about money Just look at the Brunson interview It's on everyone's mind it really is the sport is changing evolving in front of our eyes it really is and fighters are getting smarter than they were five years ago the the dynamics have changed the finances have changed economics have changed it's all changing to ignore it would be careless reckless i'm not that guy it's interesting stuff it really is we're gonna look back on this era and say wow This sport was so different back then because I do believe it's going to get better for everyone involved, for the fighters especially. It's going to get better, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Thank you to everyone who stopped by. Congratulations to Chael Sonnen. Appreciate you talking about the impetus of the whole damn thing. Thank you very much to Chris Cyborg. What a story that is to follow, right? Wow. 25 pounds? What is going on here? Hopefully it ends in a positive light for her thank you very much to Ed Sores and Sven Beam congratulations thank you very much to Sage Northcutt all the best to Ally Quinta thank you very much to Patty Pimblett, Michael Johnson congratulations and congrats to Derek Brunson back next week same time
3: and place Till this say shhh sh-